Hey everyone, it's another episode of Ray. Hooray! That's season! That's season! New theme tune. That's the new theme tune, yeah. It's episode number 171. Hooray! Hooray! Yes, and on that note, we have been talking rubbish before we've been podcasting for about. Uh, half an hour, so our brains are pretty much fried, so I think you're in for a good episode. Um, with me, as always, is Paul and Kieran. Hello. And uh, joining us after being out in the um, video gaming wilderness for a while is Nathan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. No, thank, thank you for coming back. <laughs> we did the serial the last time. <laughs> um... Right, cool. Well, we have got quite a lot of stuff to talk through, uh, quite a lot of video games, quite a lot of board games. Um, so let's just do what we normally do and talk rubbish. Uh, Nathan, would you like to start us off with, uh, tell us about some Resident Evil 7. Convince me why I should play this and convince me why it's worthy of the Resident Evil name. Give us a medical report about your migraines. Okay, um... <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Resident Evil 7 put me in the hospital. It's that scary. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I thought, I thought it would be good to come on after... Tom gave a succinct description of it last week. I don't yeah. think I can really put it in a more eloquent way, but um, he, he said it would be interesting to hear a kind of point of view of, you know, playing it in VR. And I think the I think the key point to take away from it is he said it was a gross game and he's right and in VR it is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> it's like looking at it on the television doesn't really give you an idea of like how gross it actually is. Um a key point is early on in the game you kind of go into the basement and you're wading through water and I I literally felt revulsed. Because obviously it's, it's in your face, this water, and it's like it's brown, it's mucky, it probably doesn't really smell good. Unfortunately, I didn't get that scented candle that smells like blood and sweat, so I couldn't really <laughs> oh, go for wow. the 4D experience. I forgot that Potentially burn my house down in the process. <laughs> you having, having like a lit fire in the same room as you while you're wearing something that blocks your vision does not sound like a safe thing no. to do. Oh, it really adds to the danger, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, the danger for everyone else watching you with this fucking headset on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it is really... Like, uh, well, to convince you, you had a couple of reservations towards jump scares. I, I yeah. haven't completed it as of yet, um, but I think Tom was correct in saying that the first... The first kind of hour is really is really kind of a showcase for VR because there's a lot of kind of boo in your face kind of something grabs you you know you get thrown about uh, there's a particularly shocking scene which I won't reveal for spoiler reasons but um, one thing I will say about in VR when something really fast paced happens the screen actually blacks out for a second. So after a while, it kind, of, it kind of like, you lose the surprise edge because you're like, the screen blacked out. I was like, oh, no, nope, something's grabbed me. Oh, now I'm falling down some stairs. Yep. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've actually been going through 
and um, playing in VR and then doing some of the sections without VR just to see the difference. All right, okay. Um, I will say in VR there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of ver- the the frame rate ver- uh well the frame rate varies a lot the resolution kind of varies a few dips um like one one particular one particular scene is when you go into the main house for the first time it's like the resolution kind of takes a die for a second as it's <laughs> rendering everything cuz <laughs> yeah yeah and this is with the PS Pro Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Playing through PS4 Pro, um, apparently it handles it a bit better. So I can't really talk for the performance on the base PS4, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. There, there are a few sections that work better in VR, and and a few that work better, um, you know, without it. There's a few chase sections where you're kind of like. Uh, the outlast kind of sections where you're hiding from a uh, big nasty and you don't really want him to see you and you can poke your head around the corner and kind of you know gauge whether it's safe to make a mad dash for it um, obviously on obviously outside of VR you don't really have a lean function so those are kind of like you kind of just have to guess um, <clears throat> also the 3D sound is is, is horrible it's <laughs> that's probably the scariest part about it like um, after a while you get used to you know the big redneck that's kind of just chasing you with an axe. It's more you're just walking along and you just hear a bump above you, just to let you like, oh, what was that noise? You know, so it's, <laughs> so it's yeah, it quite enjoyable. Um, I also picked up the DLC, so I played a uh, played for a bit of that. Um, I think the DLC was actually out. I thought it was just a like a season pass thing that wasn't actually. No, it it came out like a it came out like a week after after the release, so I think it was like maybe maybe just beginning of beginning of February. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's particularly interesting is I think uh, things called bedroom or something like that. It's basically you have to kind of you play one of the people that's been captured during the game, you have to kind of, like, escape, so it's kind of a side story to see what ultimately happened to that character. Mm-hmm. And it's quite it's quite an interesting approach because one of the, the main villains in the game has essentially locked you in locked you in this room misery style, and she's giving you this kind of, like, gruel to eat that if you eat it, you actually die. So you kind of have to keep varying between getting out of bed trying to solve the puzzles to unlock a bit more of the room to get out while she's coming back periodically checking on you making sure you haven't you know tried to break out that's quite that's actually quite interesting um I haven't really gone into the other stuff because a lot of it's kind of like post game but you know I just took a cheeky look at it and it's yeah I'm really enjoying it I'm right. um, I think I think yeah, the comparisons with Outlast are a bit, as Tom said, are a bit um, a bit kind of unfair. But I can understand why anyone would have them at first glance. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of the early stuff, especially the stuff that they that they showed in the in the in the release up to it, is very Outlast. Very, oh, you're quite defenseless. Um, you've got got nowhere to turn. But no. Pretty much 15 minutes into the game, you've you've got your first weapon. You're swinging away, uh, just wailing on things. <laughs> so, 
Is, like, ammo oh. conservation kind of an important part of it, or is it just, like, Resident Evil 4 kind of running gun after you <coughs> get a weapon? No, it's it's definitely a lot closer to... I'd, I'd say the Resident Evil, it reminds me the most of is free. It's... Oh, it's right, def- okay. Because, um, yeah, there's a lot of a- ammo conservation involved. Essentially, it works in sections where you move from one location, which is stalked by one of the family... So they're, they're always kind of roving around, so they're like the equivalent of Nemesis, and um, you can put them down for a few minutes, but invariably they get back up. Right. So it's, it's kind of like it's, it's that old-school Resident Evil design where it's better to just kind of just run past rather than, you know, try and take him down repeatedly. Especially yeah, and, as... And yep, go ahead. So I, sorry, I was going to say, yeah, you're better off running past unless you can take him out efficiently. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if you if you can get away clean, it's better to just run away because unlike Nemesis, you don't really get rewards or upgrades for actually taking them out. All, right, all okay. it does is buy you time. Ah, right. So it's more of a I've got I've got eight shotgun shells. This guy is chasing me with a with a axe. Um, if I keep running and keep darting around stuff, he probably won't catch me. So it's better for me to just scarper. You know, just and, right. <laughs> and it's um, definitely got that old school Resident Evil goofy tone, which uh, which I was um, which was the one thing I was kind of afraid of going in. I was like, like you, I was looking at the footage and thinking oh, it's a bit all a bit dark and grim, but it's it's definitely got that kind of Resident Evil clumsiness. So, right. So hopefully that's in, that's enough for you to maybe take a look in. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I definitely have a, a look at it, and um, there is quite a few sort of games I need to get a look at, um, and that is one of them. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I may pick it up on PC at some point because I don't have PlayStation Pro or PSVR, which seems like the the things I would need to get the most out of on PS4 compared to my PC at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But also I need to play Alien Isolation. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I still need to finish The Evil Within as well. Yeah, that's also on my... Hey, I played the first <laughs> few levels of this and then stopped. That's, that's a good PS4 comparison. Person. Yeah, Evil Within would be a good comparison to Resident Evil Seven, right? That you, you know the kind of the kind of pace of it. You kind of start off and you're just like, I've kind of got a dart around. I haven't got much ammo, and then you kind of get to a place where you're like, oh, I can really, you know, like pump lead into these guys. Like Resident Evil Four, and you're like, oh fuck, I've got no bullets again. Why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I should have just ran past when I. Instead of being the hero, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right, yeah. I'll um, I'll definitely check it out. Cool. That's cool. You went from a, I have no interest to I'll check it out. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I well think done. it. I I think it was always going to be a case of you know I I will check it out, but I I had you know I, I've now got a little bit more interest in it that it will be any good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Fair enough. 
Excellent. Uh, moving on, uh, Kieran, you've been quite busy as well. Um, how have you got on with Gravity Rush 2? I know the last time we spoke, you were busy, pre you were preoccupied with things like Yakuza and that, but how have you been getting on with it? So, I've still mainly been playing Yakuza, but, <laughs> but I also seem to have like stumbled towards what feels like pretty much the end of Gravity Rush 2. I'm not sure how. I just, <laughs> I just seem to, because that game seems is apparently quite long. So I think I've just been, uh, I've been picking at it here and there, you know, as like a break basically from Yakuza, and so I think I've just kind of done that enough times that I've not been paying attention to how far I've gotten, and it's like, oh, I'm at them. Okay, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying that game a lot though. Uh, it's, as you get further on, it, it gets even bigger than it was to start with, like you go to second city and it's massive again uh, You there's way more story stuff that happens, way more boss fight stuff that happens there's some of my favourite sections which are also sections that I know that Nathan hates um, <laughs> which is the kind of weird abstract sections that don't take place in the main world at all and they're just like weird worlds which the bits themselves are not necessarily great because they're usually these trials that are like defeat this wave of enemies or do mm -hmm. this this fast but they're some of the coolest looking locations in the world which is kind of what I like about them um, and there's some really good ones of those towards the end of the game uh, so really mixed boss fights though like the main game is kind of the same as the first Gravity Rush um, in terms of gameplay you get different modes you can switch between one where you're heavy and you do more damage, one where you're lighter and you have kind of different attacks and can uh, jump really high, which is kind of weird given you can fly anyway, so it's not really the most useful ability in the world. Um, but the boss fights are weird, because some of them are these massive scale things that a couple of them, you look at the boss designs and you're like, oh right, yeah, this is the Silent Hill guy. Okay, yeah. This is this is a guy that made a bunch of horror games. That explains exactly why this monster looks like this. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, but in other ones, they're just like, you know, this is a more humanoid enemy that fights the way you do, which is not fun to fight against, as it turns out. A character that's right. darting around, just fly-kicking you out of nowhere is not as fun to fight against as it is to be as it turns out to be that yeah yeah you kind of get a feeling for all the enemies in the game and you're like oh man I'd be a dick to you this whole time um, <laughs> but overall I'm, I'm still enjoying it a lot the story goes some cool places as well um, it's it connects a lot more with the first game after kind of like the ha the midway point or what feels like the midway point I'm not 100% sure if it actually is um, but basically when you get to the second say there's a lot of stuff that's just like, oh, did you know the story for the first game? Do you remember all these characters? You probably should. I know we didn't mention them in the first half of the game, but you're going to need to know. Um, <laughs> and as someone who like played a lot of that first game, there's a couple of characters that show up that Cat is like, oh, it's such and such. And I'm like, um, I think they were in the first game. They must have been, I guess. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but then also, it's like, oh. some of the more memorable characters come back, like uh, the fortune teller with her 
weird uh, doll that tells the future and stuff like that. Oh god, yeah. Um, so like, you get memorable characters like that that come back, but then also you get like the one of the soldier ladies comes back. And it's like I, you were in the first game. I vaguely remember you because you looked similar to Cat. Is kind of how I remember. Yeah, um, I remember your costume. Yeah, well, that, it doesn't even work like that because it's a different costume. <laughs> so it's like, oh god, oh god, right, okay. I think that's you. Um, but actually, the thing that the reason I actually put it on this list mainly was because I dove into a bit more of the online stuff in that game. Oh, okay. Which it has this asynchronous multiplayer stuff that's uh, treasure hunts, where occasionally you'll just get kind of a notification from their server that says you know there's treasure in this location and a picture that another user has taken of that area to hint at where the treasure is and oh okay you'll if you accept it it kind of teleports you to the region where it is and uh, will kind of beep as you get closer or further from it so you got this kind of hot and cold thing and then also this picture someone has taken as a hint as to where the treasure is and the treasure is always like a bunch of gems that you can use to level up uh, sometimes it's different costumes or different poses you can make um, which there's a lot of costumes and a lot of different poses that you can make cat make because they lean into this photo mode thing they've got so you can just pose and take photos all the time because they know that the people playing this game probably really like cat um, <laughs> so they want to play dress up and you know get her to pose I unlocked the pose when I was playing it earlier today where she just eats a donut and it's like that's I, I guess I mean okay yeah that's a thing yeah exactly um, but the treasure hunt thing is really cool because then once you find the treasure it prompts you to take a photo so you have to take a photo as a hint to someone where this treasure is Um and it's kind of harder than it sounds because the treasures usually they're, the treasure chests are kind of small and so it's really hard to take a photo that just blatantly gives away where the chest is um, oh, uh. so you kind of have to be a bit smarter about it and be like okay this is a kind of landmark thing you know like there's this big crane here this is the only big crane that's in this area so if I take a photo that has the crane in it they'll know that it's over here next to this crane because it's the only thing, it's the only place that is. Um, hmm. So you kind of look for the things that stick out the most and it's a little bit of thinking to it. Uh, and then you get these things, they're, they're just called, the, you see these tokens basically for if your picture is one of the ones that gets prompted for someone else and then they find the treasure. And again, that mm-hmm. just unlocks more costumes and stuff like that. Um, but it's just a fun little kind of side thing to do. Uh, which is good in a game that is filled with really bad side things to do. Oh, <laughs> like you can race, <laughs> you can race birds, or you can um, do a bad stealth section again that you had to do in the story, but it was better in the story because you had someone with you to beat people up, and now it's just you stealth and and you insta fail it if you get seen. Right, so nice. basically the challenges, they had those challenges in the first one as well. Yeah, but there's there's a lot more of them now, and some of them are okay, but then some of them are just like, oh my god, 
But there's no way to know until you're actually in them and you've accepted the side quest and it's like, oh, God damn it. And right. If I'd known this was a stealth mission, I wouldn't have done it. That kind of thing. See, <laughs> See I had a completely different experience from Kieran because, like an idiot, I started the game and I went into all the side stuff and it was mission after mission of bad stealth, <laughs> floating around collecting, collecting like gems to power up. It was... And that game has a really lethargic start. Yeah, definitely. And I, I really extended it. <laughs> I was just like, what am I doing? And um, poor Kira, I kept complaining at him, just like, wow, this this game, what what's going on? And so it's kind of it's kind of encouraging to hear that it kind of opens up. I yeah. think, I think like it's it's kind of spurred me on to maybe go back and try because admittedly, I haven't played it probably since Yakuza Zero came out. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it was the same day, but yeah. <laughs> Not played it since the day it came out. Um, <laughs> I kind of. Uh, I think it's one of those things where if you stick to the main story, you're going to have a lot more fun. Yeah. And then, you know, if you want to go and be a completionist and do all the stuff afterwards, then that's good. But you don't. The game doesn't seem to, like, ramp up in a way that you'll, you know, get stuck if you don't have those gems that you get from the. Uh, the side stuff to level up. Um, although, I don't know, the section I just did kind of felt like... Uh, I think we were talking about this with Yakuza 0, Nathan, where it's one of those... All games... Or not all games, but a lot of games have it. Like, the section where it just throws a bunch of shit at you yeah. to power you up. And you're like, oh no, this is going to get real hard now, isn't it? It's like, oh no, it's just the last boss. You know, like, the Gears of War thing where you're on that train and you walk into the next carriage and it's just filled with every gun in the game and you're like, oh no I've got this choice, it's going to go bad um, and Gravity Rush 2 kind of does that where there's like a section that just gives you a shitload of gems and it's like, oh, oh it expects me to be levelled up oh no <laughs> um, so I don't know, I, I've not played past that yet so I don't know if it actually does get super hard or not but it, but it's really weird that the beginning of the game is like it kind of just throws you in, and you know, as Kieran was saying, the second half kind of introduced characters that that um, are kind of from the first game. I haven't got to that point yet, but I also played the first game, and for me, it just throws me in. It's just like, oh, okay, um, you you've been sucked into you've been sucked into this from a from a gravity storm. All right, go and mine now, and it does that for two hours, and you're like. What the hell's going on? Yeah. And this is kind of for me like I'm not as big a fan of the first one as Kieran. I did enjoy it, but you know I'm, I'm someone that had a fair idea of what was going on in the first one, and I, I'm just like I've got no idea. I've got no idea why I'm, why I have to go through all this. So it's it's kind of a, a weird way to start an open world game, especially for a lot of people that might be their first foray into the series. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I do feel from a story standpoint they do a decent job, but disconnecting it from the first game for the first like half of it to kind of be like okay if you're new to this series all you need to know about the first game is there was a thing that happened Cat did some stuff but then there's a gravity storm so forget about it they're not there Sid was there at some point <laughs> so he's here again there you go and then it kind of ramps up a bit but again once you get past that kind of midpoint and you go to the second area it kind of is like, okay, now, 
you didn't you might not have played the first game but we're going to just throw those characters in anyway so you probably should have <laughs> like, it's kind of like a it feels like there should just be like a blank screen that pops up there it says if you haven't played the first game go play it now <laughs> just like a voucher for like a discount voucher for the <laughs> yeah. Master <laughs> go, play, like, go play this first <laughs> yeah just be like you're going to need it um but, I, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It does seem like something you could jump into for the most part if you hadn't played the first one, but it seems to lean a bit more into that stuff in the second half. Right. Um, I will probably finish that soon. But, again, I'm not enjoying some of the boss fights towards the end of that game. Um, but, yeah, moving on. Uh, Mike. Uh-huh. Give us your Project Cross Zone 2... Catch up of the week. Weekly update. <laughs> yeah, weekly weekly update. update. So um I am now fifteen hours in. Um I think I'm maybe just past the introductory bit after fifteen hours. <laughs> um some of the characters are still introducing themselves. <laughs> I have I've just met the characters from um God Eater, we've just done that chapter, and I have met uh, the characters, or oh, I forget the Sega game they're from, uh, Sakura, and Sakura's a, the little girl, and she's dressed in the, the Japanese gear, and she's got her friend who dresses in a cowboy uniform. Um, I can't um, remember their names. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm actually scrolling through it. Uh, Sakura and Gemini and they're from it's a Sega game and I, people are going to be shouting down their headsets and googling it at me at work yeah Gemini um, Sunrise I don't know if that's accurate this is the first thing that showed up alright no I don't <laughs> Sakura Wars um, Sakura Wars <laughs> that's it maybe <laughs> I think um, but yeah so I, I've just met those characters again um because I'd met them from the first one. Uh, and I don't... I think I've still got a long, long way to go um, because I am... I don't know if you remember... Kieran, I don't know how far you got in the first one. Uh, not super far. Everyone was still falling uh, into water fountains and getting teleported places. Right, okay. Well, I yeah, I'm still doing that after 15 hours. Uh, <laughs> after a game and 15 hours. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I basically, this some of my characters are they're now fully equipped in terms of their attacks. So you normally get uh, four normal attacks and then the special attack. Um, and not, I, I would say, about half of my team have their full attacks. Uh, and I think I've still, <laughs> so I've still got a little ways to go. Um, it's. I, I do like the game because it is it's more of the same I, I've i been playing it every day on my commute and the way to work for half an hour um, you know if uh, I'm travelling with somebody then I don't play it But so I look for days where you know or they're not in today or you know they're going to work early before me or something like that and I just get to play it I don't need to think about it I just put it in the story is it, the story was never ever going to win anything. It's the same story again. <laughs> it's the same villains. The same villains are showing up. 
and uh, I think chain and the totals and uh, and we're still we've still got this mystery about who's doing it and uh, what the the entire aim of the game is and it's the same thing again you know and characters are stringing along other characters and um, it is it is more of the same and I do like some of the jokes so I came across uh, the the God Eater guys and one of the characters produces this it's kind of like a weird sandwich or something this weird snack that they want them to eat and it's obviously it's part of the law from God Eater and so you know she comes out and she presents everyone with this thing to eat and somebody says uh, oh it, it's kind of a weird sandwich and one of the char- the other characters pipes up hey you should maybe offer that to Jill I hear she's great with a sandwich and because nice. Jill Valentine's in the game so. <laughs> Have you verbally shake your head? I'm trying to yeah. work over an audio podcast. The, the sad thing is, I know exactly who you're talking about, and I haven't played this game. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's actually not a Resident Evil reference. She just makes that joke in God Eater all the time. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a weird one with her hair is almost like cat is, isn't it? Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, um, uh, uh, Zayu. She's the the character. Uh, she was made, uh, not made, but um, they were created specifically for the Project Cross Zone games, and they came out in the first one. Um, and yeah, uh, it is. It's just more more of the same. Um, I do like the humour in it. Uh, so they're always poking fun at the way the characters dress. Um, and there's always jokes like um, that, that they were looking for Elisa from God Eater and I said uh, oh we're, we're looking for our friend Elisa She's she was in the I can't remember the the, the, the group that the God Eaters are from Interpol and uh, no 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 not, not Interpol uh, that's Chanley uh, oh, <laughs> they're, they're blood <laughs> Blood. <laughs> blood. <laughs> yeah, they're literally called like blood. Like, blood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but is that is it the American bloods or is it like you know the the London <laughs> blood? The young bloods, I think it is. It's, it's post-apocalyptic, <laughs> so it probably sprung from the same source. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the, the you know they're asking you know um, do you know Elisa and they're going oh Elisa such and such she's from the Far East section. And again, one of the other characters pipes up. Oh, you'd know her if you'd seen her. Um, very short skirt and um, shows plenty of underboob. <laughs> and they, <laughs> so they they pick fun at the way the characters look and dress, and it is quite funny if you know the characters. Um, so yeah, it's a, it is what it is. I do really enjoy it, and I'm going to keep playing it. So uh, tune in same time next week, and I'll let you know how far I am in it <laughs> again. Um, and that has note, been your But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't been playing much uh, of video games. I, I think if you've been listening to the podcast, you'll notice this. And it's not, there's nothing sinister or anything about it. I've just been quite busy um, with, you know, getting um, things in real life back into order after being ill and 
I think maybe getting stuck in the house for a while in front of the only thing that I had was the PlayStation and the Xbox. Yeah. Um, I think now that I can go and do things and I can play board games and go and speak to people and things that the last thing I want to do sometimes is pick up a controller. But I do, uh, I do need to get back into playing some some decent games, which I I will do. Doesn't need to be decent. That's playing fine. games. Yeah, just play games. Yeah. There's plenty of fun there, bad games out there. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Paul's going to tell us about one of them right now, actually. Paul! <laughs> <laughs> He's not well, looking at his... I, I'm not looking at what I've played. Like, what's a bad game? <laughs> um, I am I'm just doing a very bad segue. So, um, actually, all three of you have been playing a game which I'm curious to hear more about. So, Paul, why don't you start to tell us about Total Warhammer? Or I'll Total War Warhammer. Total War Warhammer, although it should totally be called Total Warhammer, me and Kieran have agreed upon this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sure. I, I'll, I'll tell you about how little of it I, I've played and what I think of it, and then I'll, I'll pass you over to the person who's probably played a lot more of it than me, who's is Kieran. Uh, I, actually so I, think, I actually think you've played more of it than me. I've not played much of it at all. I've really not played that much of it either. <laughs> then none of us have played much of it. <laughs> but from what I have played, it's very good. I I actually started the campaign as the the vampire counts, uh, as as my first off the bat. So I'm playing as the the undead, um, trying to reclaim my castles or reclaim yeah my castle. Yeah, reclaim vampire <laughs> land from. The, uh, <laughs> Nasty necromancers that took over my castles. Uh, that's how Vampire Land. It sounds like an, a subsidiary of Legoland. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the sequel they're making to Zombieland. It's going to be great. I'm pretty sure uh. it's actually. Uh, <laughs> is it Eastern Sylvania or Eastern Sylvania or oh, something, it's, like, it's something like that? Something like that, yeah. Um, something super generic like that. It's Warhammer. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, isn't that the Teddy. That, that's the that, Bunny Rabbit map <laughs> with that Sylvania. That's Sylvania. Sylvania. Uh, this, this is Eastern Sylvania. The the bad part. <laughs> the rabbit. It's the rabbits. the rabbits that eat cabbage. Then. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I picked it up. Uh, I've been wanting it since launch, uh, and as part of the uh, humble monthly bundle for for twelve dollars, I thought it's worth picking it up when it's you know still a full price game. Uh, it's the first Total War game I've ever played, so. Kieran kind of said this one eases you in a bit more. I do not feel like that, but then again, <laughs> yeah. I've not played any of the rest of them, so it probably does. Yeah, no, compared to the previous ones, this one is like, oh man, there's all this tutorial, and then, you know, the first game, oh, all the other games are... Maybe not. I should have played the tutorial. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe I should have played that tutorial section. Listen to Listen to your advisors. Yeah, I've been listening to the advisors and I've been pulling up the, the, the guide quite a lot, the the info guide to teach me how to do stuff. A lot of reading involved if you're doing it that way, so I'd suggest maybe playing the tutorials and it teaching you that way. Um, but from what I'm playing, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm using... I'm fighting some of the real-time battles, um, but I'm also using auto-resolve quite a bit. I am enjoying the kind of management side of it a lot more than I am the tactical battle side of it, which I think might be the exact opposite way you're supposed to play this game. 
Kieran? Um, no, I find I find that generally with Total War games, like, again, I've not played a whole lot of the Warhammer one, but yeah, I played like a lot of um, mainly like Shogun Two and the Fourth Rome. They were kind of the two that I played lots of. Um, but most of the time, like you play this grand campaign, which is the mode where you're you know on a massive campaign map and it's basically civilization, yeah. and you have the turn-based part that is basically civilization, and then you have the real-time battles and the way I've always played it is when you're somewhat evenly matched with your opponent, you do the real-time battles. If you outnumber yep. them, like, even slightly, really, like, the auto-resolve is going to clean house, so you don't have to care. Yeah. You just auto-resolve it and do whatever. And then maybe occasionally you'll do the real-time battles when you want to. But if you did the real-time battles every single time, one, the game... The game would take forever. The game would take forever, which already does it's a, 4X, it's a long ass you know, game. It's it really a 4x is. turn-based game. Is massive. yeah. Um, but yeah, if you did the battles all every single time, they'd do that. But also, like I always did the siege battles myself, just because I really enjoy those. Um, yeah, I've not actually done any of those yet, so yeah. Well, sieges are really fun, especially when you're the defender. Um, yeah, I think I might enjoy those. I've actually, after playing it, I actually went online and I. The reason I wanted to buy the game was I found a guy playing it online back when it was first released, and I've, I've been watching more of his playthroughs. Um, and the siege battles definitely do seem do seem super fun. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to getting to those. I have a weekend off this weekend, so I think I'm going to sink some serious time into it because I have nothing else to play. Um, but I am enjoying the kind of civilization style turn based 4x map management stuff. Mm. Um, upgrading your cities, basically expanding your empire. More than I'm enjoying the real-time battles, to be honest. It would be nice if you could do hit auto resolve and then watch the battle. Yeah, I would quite like that. Um, that, that some that of would, them have had that, but I don't think this one does. That no, this one doesn't have it, and that would be probably my my only yeah. thing. Um, that I'd, I'd actually like to see would be hit auto resolve and then be able to watch the battles because that's. I tend to actually skip forward to the battles when I'm watching the the, the person I'm watching play some of the stuff on YouTube. Um, I'm watching them play through the Dwarf expansion campaign at the moment while doing a vampire. So yes, I am watching this game and playing it at the same time. <laughs> I've done that a lot. I've got Which two monitors. One of them's going to have YouTube on it. Sometimes it's the same game. It happens. It occasionally <laughs> happens. Oh, you just got to get used to it. Um... So it's quite nice because I've never played the game again. Again, I've never played any Total War games again. So I'm picking up strategical tips and tips from him, and watching stuff he's doing and, and kind of learning that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I, other than that, I, I'm really enjoying the game, and I want to try and get to grips with it more before I give a, a, a kind of review of it. So I'll hand it over to you, who's probably played more than me. Or at least knows what the hell they're talking about when it comes to the war, so, total war games. We'll do that. But, um, I've not played much, but like I, I started two campaigns because I started as the vampires like you did. But yeah. I stopped that game, campaign pretty quickly because the vampires are one of the hardest factions to start as. Because, oh, that because might be where I went wrong. Oh. Because they don't have any ranged units. 
So no, you kind of just have to run into battle, and you're getting pelted with arrows and stuff all the time <laughs> if you're just running in. Um, yeah. Um, well, on the hand, I guess it's all, they're also a bit easier in some ways because you don't have to deal with the... Um, one of the big things that Total War games always have is uh, more, uh, morale. So yeah. your different units will have morale and you can break enemy morale, which most battles that you play in Total War games generally will be won by breaking, breaking morale. The enemy morale yeah. rather than killing everyone. Um, but you can't break the morale of uh, Vampire Lord units because they're all... No undead, so they're all zombies and stuff like that, so they're all being controlled by a necromancer, there's no one, there's no morale I mean, to you, break. You, you can break them, they just turn to dust. Yeah, exactly, when you break the morale, they just start dying rather than running away, which is easier to handle in a lot of ways, because it just basically means, like, you know, their health goes down faster, basically, whereas usually when morale breaks, you have an entire unit, sometimes they're pretty much just full still. You know, running away from running the battle, away. and you're like, "Oh yeah. God, I needed those guys. They were, that was my cavalry. They were meant to run in from behind. It's all fucked." Um, <laughs> so yeah, I do think starting it. I switched to the uh, the imperial, the beast of the humans. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about switching to the empire. They to be seem honest. like they seem like the most kind of stock thing to do. I do want that, to try uh, the dwarves. I do kind of want to try out the dwarfs. Because the dwarfs, um, um, I've not played as them yet, but I read their description, and they've got a thing called the Grudge Book, where every time I... Can, the playthrough I'm, the play yeah. I'm watching online right now, and the Grudge Book looks really cool. Yeah, so like the idea of it is basically just that you might actually know better than me then if you've been watching the thing, but... Oh yeah, I'm, I'm five episodes away from the end of that campaign <laughs> watching it online, so... The, the grudge book, every time you encounter a new faction and they start war with you, or they break a treaty with you, or break a pact with you, whatever it is, they, they get added to the, the grudge book and then you will have like a mini task in order to fix that grudge. So that mini task may be beating them in a battle or it may be wiping out their entire empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't start getting rid of some of these grudges uh, then I think you actually start taking higher costs for your units you start taking attrition some places and you start taking basically a bunch of penalties because of it yeah um, and that's that's pretty much all I can understand of it yeah. right now even yeah. though I've been watching the playthrough um, because the guy I'm watching is you know he's dealing with them pretty handily so he doesn't take the mm-hmm the attrition-y stuff from it. Yeah, it does basically sound just like whenever anything happens to your empire, your your public, basically, will get pissed off and hold a grudge. And if you don't yeah, repay it, bad stuff happens. So keep people yeah. happy. It's the democracy of uh, Warhammer. Um, um. It's... Yeah, I want to play with that. It seems quite cool. Uh, the orcs also have their own mechanics. It's... Different from a lot of Total War games in that every faction seems to play Has very differently. Yeah. yeah. So the orcs uh, have a similar thing, but instead of it being specifically grudges based on what has happened during your game, they're orcs. So if you're not at war for long enough, they everyone get will get off. really yeah, they'll get really pissy. They want to be at war constantly. Yeah, they're the orcs. So you basically just have to start wars every now and again just to keep your people happy, which is, you know, America. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
fairly true, fairly true. <laughs> um, I really want to get the Wood Elf DLC, because that looks pretty cool. I've heard that's really good. Because um, again, they, they have their own mechanic, where the whole thing with the Wood Elf is you have this big magical tree, and if you lose a big magical tree, you die. Yeah, pretty much. Avatar, basically. Kind of, yeah. Oh. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, but I, having never played like actual real life Warhammer, other than 40k stuff, I don't know how close this is to the actual like tabletop version of the game. I just really wanted a Total War game that was fantasy. So yeah, that's fair. It's about time they did a fantasy one as well, because as much as I love the actual kind of you know historical based ones. Yeah, it's cool just to be like, okay, well, there's only so many times you can play a game that is set on, you know, a map of the world. That's true. Um, I know there's mods floating around for some of the older ones where it makes it the Game of Thrones map. Yeah, that's... I think that'd be pretty cool to play. Um, yeah, but I'll uh, continue trying to play Warhammer and try to figure it out and probably fail miserably as I always do with this larger game. Anyway, um, Kieran, you and Nathan have both been playing Yakuza 0, while you are continuing to play Yakuza 0, so (laughs) if you would like to start telling us about that and we can see if Nathan agrees with you. (laughs) Um, Right, well let me tell you a story about a man named Kiryu. Again. He's in the Yakuza and then he's not in the Yakuza and he punches some guys. Um, <laughs> then he plays a lot of mini games. And then, like thirty hours later, he punches more guys. And then you get a chicken, and the chicken is your real estate manager, and he makes you money. And he's, <laughs> he's called Nugget, which is a good name for a chicken. Um, yeah, I I've talked a lot about the <laughs> zero already. I think uh, the chicken is not called Nugget. It is actually the chicken called is Nugget. called Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he was okay, advertised as so a turkey. I'm go- I'll be back in an hour, guys. I'm going to have to buy this game. He was advertised <laughs> as a turkey. It was false advertising. Here you go. Was- you win him. Minor spoilers <laughs> for people. You win Nugget by getting a turkey and bowling, which is uh, yeah. three strikes in a row. So the, war- the reward for getting the turkey is you win a turkey. But yeah, it's but it's actually a chicken. a chicken, and it's also not cooked or anything like that. It's just a chicken. Nice. So you hire him as a guy, a manager to run your. There's like a whole real estate mini game in that that you make most of your money in, and yeah. it's insane. Um, See, that's yeah. um. Yeah, last week Tom was talking about in Yakuza Four, he got lost in a game for like ten hours, a side game. Um, you know, of um, I think it's like a, a trainer, a fighter trainer game. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of yes. made me, kind of made me chuckle because that's the point. I got to in Yakuza Four, and I got no further because I pumped twenty hours into that, <laughs> and then Yakuza Five came out. Oh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. Um, yeah, sorry to chime in, Kieran, but um, my, well, my I think it's because like I've talked a lot about this game already, so I think it's. It makes sense to get someone else's opinion on on the podcast. See, I know you're not a fan of the cabaret game. 
I don't really like what? it very much. I like I like the cavalry game a lot. I do. Explain the cavalry game to people because <laughs> explain what a cavalry club is and then explain. I've been playing a lot of Yakuza and I really can't give you a textbook definition of what a cabaret club is. It's kind of like a burlesque, but not as risky. It's kind of like you you can go in, pay to to spend time with women, um, have them talk to you about the weather. Yeah, spend time with the women seems to literally just be they sit at the table with you and drink with you. Yeah, like a kind of a hostess bar. Um, the, the, the other character you play as... Uh, been, he's in a he's in an adjacent city called I think it's like Sotamburi. Yeah. Um, he's he's been excommunicated from the mafia, well, from the yakuza for I don't really want to go into it for spoiler reasons, but he's basically been demoted in the mafia to like a cabaret boss, and he's he's basically trying to make I believe five hundred million yen, so yeah. they'll they'll kind of let him back in as a pardon. But he's working as a, a cabaret owner, so his mini game, in contrast to Kiryu's, where he's building up a real estate uh, empire, is that you have to kind of take on all the other kind of club owners in the area and take their territory from them by <laughs> recruiting hostesses, making them over, raising their like beauty or sex appeal. And then putting them to work. <laughs> putting them to work in this club. You're basically grooming young yeah, women. <laughs> Some of them are so, pretty young, so yeah. Simulator yeah. 2017 is great. Um, you're basically putting these girls to work in the club. To what is, It's essentially like... Um, uh, what's the... I'm trying to remember what, what the game is where... where you, it's kind of, yeah, that is essentially Dino Dash. Yeah, it's Dino <laughs> you um, you kind of have to like balance getting the right girl to the right table depending on the customer if the customer is poor you give them like one of the lower grade women it sounds really bad now I'm explaining it and also they all want different things so they'll come in and be like I want to party and you're like okay that girl likes to party so I'll send her over <laughs> or it's like I want to talk and it's like well I'll send her because so, she likes to talk so but then, like, partway through, like, the girls will call you over to the table for help, and the, it'll just be things like, you know, refill the ice, or replace the ashtray, or something like that. And there's this weird thing where they'll call you over, and they'll make, like, hand gestures at you to try to tell you what to do. And if you memorize all those hand gestures, then you can do the thing before they actually verbally ask you and you get like additional points for it, additional money mm. for it. Uh, or you can wait a few seconds and she'll just tell you like replace the ashtray. So I now have a bunch of these weird fucking terrible hand gestures memorised because <laughs> I played enough of that game that <laughs> I know that oh when she's making a circle with her hand that means replace the ashtray. Uh, it's so good. Eventually, you you ha you have like a club showdown, where like you're basically competing against each other to try and take fans, fans of the the other local club. So, you know, eventually, you're just putting other businesses, you're putting your bankrupt in other businesses, and then, understandably, they get kind of upset, so they send their muscle around, and you you know, snap a couple of necks, and you win the deeds. It's great. Yeah, this is exactly how I want to. 
to break into the cavalry business. Sometimes I really wish that I was around in the 80s. It's <laughs> for the time. You know, you could you could decide business deals over a game of Outrun. So, of course, that's always good. <laughs> yeah, I've not reached that point, but I I think you should explain your Outrun story as well. <laughs> okay, so back in, back in Ke- uh, back in the other city with Kiryu, his as as I explained earlier, um, his main game is real estate management. Which is a similar type of mini game, except you essentially go around, buy like local businesses, and you you get like a percentage of the area. So the city split up into like five or six districts. So you you kind of like buy shops from under the the nose of the competing competing businessmen in the area. I think they're called like the five billionaires or something like that because they've got like a monopoly on the area, and eventually you start eating into their territory so they start challenging you you know like um you're taking their livelihood from them so they really come at you hard and challenge you to awful gauntlets like karaoke or in in the case of of one of them outrun so he's like if you beat my score at outrun i'll let you take a share of my business so naturally <laughs> two grown men sit down in a in an arcade to play a game of outrun and Hopefully you you win and take ten percent of his business, or he's taking a ten percent stake of yours. The stakes are high. I love the idea of a billionaire losing ten percent of his business because he played the game of Outrun poorly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. I've only done the really karaoke one. Business deals are done. Yeah, to <laughs> It's weird. Like you know, it's been decades since Outrun came out, but still, just a staple of businesses everywhere. <laughs> I want to believe like it's just it's just tradition now you know it's like well we're really good head to head that's it down the arcade mate it's time for a game of Outrun <laughs> on a related note Outrun is hard I forgot how hard Outrun is yeah Outrun is not that's, the easiest game in the world that is legitimately the only point of that game I've had to save scum <laughs> I admit I, I, I lost a few times I was like nope <laughs> you have to essentially get um, 5 million in Outrun to beat his score which oh, means wow. you have to get oh. to the 4th checkpoint which is Jeez. like and um, I haven't played Outrun in years I was like I was looking up videos online seeing when to switch gears I was like nope forget all that I'm just going high gear and just letting go letting go of the accelerator while going around corners it was it's ridiculous <laughs> Outrun is Outrun is still frustratingly difficult Although, on the bonus side, you've got um, Space Harrier, and I believe once you beat that guy, you unlock Super Hang-On. Really? Yeah. Oh, so man, you make... need to go back and do oh, this. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah, you see? Super Hangout, man. Oh, no, oh, no sorry. Got... Tell the lie, you have, to, you have to befriend a girl in the arcade where you play Outrun. Oh, right. You have friendship to maximum, she gives you Super Hangout. Yes. Super yes. Hang-On, even. Wait, what? I got really good. Super Hangout. That's a that's a different kind of adult game. (laughs) (laughs) So I tend to go after playing Yakuza. Uh. (laughs) Uh, I got really good at the um, the UFO machines, the UFO grabbers, and Yakuza Zero, because there's a side quest in that where there's a little girl that every time you go up to her, she's like, "I really want this teddy that's in the UFO catchers," and you're like. 
Alright, fine, I'll fucking get this teddy, god damn it. Uh, and then that side story takes, like, the darkest twist in the game, and then the last section of it. <laughs> you get, like, four teddies, and then dark shit happens. It's like, what the fuck? I did. I thought this was going to be a minigame where I had to get five teddies, and then she's done. But no. It's, uh, <laughs> that game is so good. So, sometimes, um, sometimes some of the morals of the stories are quite dubious. Um, like, to... To say the least, I think I think um, one of my favourite quests so far in the game has been. Not sure if you spoke about it before. You might have um, the the quest where a little boy wants you to buy him a magazine from the vending machine. But it turns out it's the one that that um, gives you porno mags. <laughs> so so you so you essentially it. It becomes like this this weird kind of pseudo stealth mission because there's these two chatty old ladies and you're and you have to kind of sneak past them, but you also see the the secretary from your from your workplace come out and she's like, oh, I'm I'm just um, you know come out for my break, you know, just reading, doing a spot of reading, and it's like night time, like completely like complete night time. And the park that she's in is frequented by hobos. It's just like, like what yeah, is going there's on? There's literally just like a you know a metal barrel with a fire in it in the middle of that park that hobos <laughs> congregate around and drink. It's just like oh, it's, it's, a, it's that thing where because the game's is split into different sections. There's not like a day and night cycle, but there's different sections that are set during the day or night, and you can do these side quests during any of them really. Like it has to be able to go in any of them, but as a result. When a character comes up to you and is like, oh yeah, I was just out reading in the park, and you're like, it's pitch black, there's hobos drinking next to a fire in the middle of the park. The fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's like, I I mean, don't judge people's hobbies, I guess, but come on. (laughs) And I think it's really, I think any game that has a hobo casino gets an automatic 10 from me. Yeah, Hobo Casino's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's like it's, it's the feature I never knew I wanted. Also, Hobos that don't just have... They're not just sleeping and sleeping by stuff like that. They have literally just built, like, a, a bunch of shacks in the park. It's like... <laughs> they've literally just built houses in the park, and they're like, yep, this is where we live. It's like, you're not really homeless, you built a home. This is... Ugh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, they're employed as well because they get paid by the local businesses to go and um, get rid of tenants by peeing and stinking up the halls. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's its, it's own it's, it's own thriving economy. Everyone gets their share. <laughs> it's true. I hope I hope Paul has literally as we yeah no no I'm, I'm I was gonna nip out and buy it no <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna go and try and pick it up at some point though. Um, it sounds amazing. I was just listening intently about the Hobo Casino and the fact that these people are probably better than me because they can build their own house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but great. anyway, Mike, you have been playing something I'm seriously interested in, and I don't. We talked about it a little before we started recording, and I don't want to say it wrong, but you've got you've got it written down as gotcha racing. Yes, uh, that is the way that it is on the the game that I'm playing. 
but uh, the proper pronunciation, I think, or we tend to think, is a uh, gacha. So gotcha. this is a racing game. It's made by Arc System Works. Okay, and published fair. by Natsume. Uh, super weird. Those are the same guys that do for uh, Blaze Blue. Yeah, cool, yeah. Yeah. Double Dragon All the heads. Yes. <laughs> so um, this was a game that I picked up in the 3DS, and I think it was on sale. Um, so I picked it up for a couple of quids uh, over Christmas, and it's something I've been, you know, I'll dive in and out of if I'm sitting watching TV and it's not particularly interesting. It's a top-down racing game, but it's based on the... Japanese cap, uh, capsule machines. You know, you put a couple of quid in, you, you turn the handle and you get a little capsule and it's got stuff in it, the gacha yeah, machines. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea is that you build a car. Um, so it, you get coins and you put them into the machines and you choose what uh, machine do you want. Do you want the machine that gives you um, tyres? Do you want the machine that gives you engines or bodies? bodies or um, there's special machines as well so basically you go to your machines uh, buy your capsules open them all up and then it comes time to build a car uh, you build the car and then you do little races um, and the races are built into classes uh, the classes in this one are letters of the alphabet so you get um, the lowest level is F and then you get a little better E then E, C, B and A uh, and each section has about two, four, six different race um, types of races that you can do in it, and it all depends on what grade you are. Uh, that will determine what type of race it is. Uh, the the last race that you do in every class tends to be a, like a Grand Prix, so it will be three or four races. Um, and once you finish that one, then actually you move up. Uh, but the thing that drives it so it's back to this uh, the, the gacha capsules um, each race normally has an entry cost um, so it'll cost you some some G some gold to get into um, and you will use this gold to buy entry to races and therefore win more gold but you also use your gold to buy more little capsules um, really really simple game uh, very addic very addictive as well. So the you know when you buy you get your capsules and you get the the body um, so you get the pickup truck body that's fine no problem at all. But you get things like tires, you get nitro boost, you get um, special suspension. These things can run out and they normally run out after three or four races. So you're balancing uh, being you know trying to get a car that has good sturdy parts that don't go away and then you're boosting various stats whether you're boosting your acceleration or maybe your cornering depending on whether you're putting tyres or, or nitro boosts in uh, and it's obviously to do that as well you need uh, money so you need to make sure that you've got this balance of having enough money to enter the races that will win you lots of money and at the same time keeping money to buy more gacha capsules. Very, very simple. There is, that is it. And uh, very enjoyable. And I think I picked it up for three or four quid. It I'm not sounds too sure. like something I'd 
really enjoy. Um, yeah, um, it's not a good fun. It's I don't know what more to say about it. Um, is there any like real money uh, microtransactions in it, or is it just no? When we that's quite cool then. No, um, what you can do, uh, the one thing that you can do when you go to the shop to the capsules, is there is a special machine, and this special machine it uses the play coins. So you know the coins you get from walking with your 3DS. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. 300 of those, and I've never, I can't get any more because I have 300 of them. So. Um, it costs you 10 coins to use the special machine. Um, and um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been, you know, I'll, I'll deplete all my gold. Uh, and then use play coins. Well, I deplete all my, my play coins, and then I just, you know, because I've got my 3DS with me all the time, I just put it in standby and walk about with it and get more play coins. Nice. Have you so, have you played um, Pocket Card Jockey? I haven't actually. It was one that I was going to pick up, but I wasn't too sure about it. I think, like, listening to you describe this game, it sounds like it's right up your alley. It's a weird mix of kind of solitaire and and that kind of the same kind of mechanics as that as that gacha game. Um, right, yeah. It, I think it's made by the. I think it's made by Game Freak. Funny enough, um, and it's it's also a similar price, so that might be one uh, worth looking at. It is hideously complex. Right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know, it's got like cutesy graphics. So I picked up over Christmas, and I thought, oh, maybe you know, like I could just play this on the train. But there's like there was so many tutorials, and you uh, take. All right. Okay. So basically, you play solitaire. Um, uh-huh. While while racing, you're basically a jockey, and so like play solitaire the faster you do it, and then you like convert, you convert it into energy, and then there's carrots, and it's, it's it kind of sounds like this gacha game, but with like a another kind of layer of complexity at the top. So it might be it definitely might be one for you to look out for. Yeah, no, um, I do remember seeing it, so I will I will have a look. Um, but there, there are quite a few of you know these types of games on the 3DS as well. You know, mm. so you've got all your mon- your Monster Hunter generations and your Fire Emblems and stuff like that. But you've also got these kind of weird things, which are um, definitely worth checking out on some of the games as well. So I'll I'll have a look at what was that one called again? Um, Pocket Card Jockey. I think it's about five or six quid. Right. I will. Um, have a look and see what I can see. It's cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's what I've been busy with. Uh, and I've just seen it there. Now it's £6.29 pocket card jockey and there is even a demo available for anyone wanting to check it out as well. Cool. That's definitely worth checking out, man. Cool. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so that's all I can really tell you about um, gacha racing. Um Nathan, you have been playing, speaking of like weird little games, you have been playing Human Resource Machine. I have. I have been playing Human Resource Machine. <laughs> um, I, I picked up in the uh, recent Humble Freedom Bundle. Yes. Uh, so I've, I've been meaning to, I've wanted to play it for a while, but... Um, for some reason, it, I don't think it's come out on Android yet, which is where I was hoping to pick it up. I think it's come out on iOS. 
Yeah, it's out on I, iOS. Yeah, yeah, I've got it for iOS. Uh, see, until recently, my, my PC was, unfortunately, in a state of disrepair, so I was waiting for it to come out on Android, but I uh, got it working again, so... Um, so yeah, I picked up in this bundle and I've been playing it and it's pretty fun. I, I have to admit, um, Kieran will tell you that normally I'm asleep by about 10 or 11, man. Even on a Friday. And I, like, I, like, I just came, I came into work today and I was broken. I was like, oh, mate, I, I was up till midnight playing Human Resource Machine. I managed to go for about 20 levels installing it at about, uh, 9 p.m. probably. So, um, I yeah, guess for those, it'll do that to you. It'll do that to you. You, you literally, you, you literally, just you don't know where the time goes. Um, Kieran was kind of like a glass. He's like, you're a programmer. Why would, why would you play a game about programming? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, to which I replied, just like, yeah, but it's programming, but it's rewarding for once. You know. The, <laughs> so, um, yeah, for for those that don't know what this what this game is, essentially you start off you're kind of like you start off at the bottom rungs of a company. Um, I think it's about what forty or fifty levels. Is that right, Paul? Uh, somewhere around about there. I think I've got as far as like twenty eight. Okay. It starts branching off into like A's and B's and different sections of the. You can kind of go off to the side, and then you have to come back and to progress up the levels. Okay. Yeah. I think I did like um, two of the past, but essentially you're kind of like a a, a, a mailroom worker, and you the the aim of the game is to to basically get these packages from the inbox into the outbox. But every every puzzle has its own rules, so it might be like um, move move any puzzle um, move any package that that isn't zero into the outbox. And instead of having traditional controls like left, right, up, down, you have commands. So you have inbox, which says go to the inbox, essentially. Yep. Just And outbox will say take it to the outbox. Um, it starts off really simple with just literally inbox and outbox. Eventually, you get other commands that, um, like, you can copy to, you can copy to, like, a little storage compartment in the floor for a more complex pattern. So essentially... It's like programming, but using kind of drag and drop. Yeah. You probably, like, yeah. Kieran was like, why, why, why are you playing this? <laughs> why are you playing this, especially during the week? But um, yeah, I don't as, know, a, as a mobile developer, that's kind of already <laughs> what I do at work. So I don't really. <laughs> you know, dragging and dropping is ninety percent of my job. <laughs> I, I don't. I, 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 it was just like, you know, it was one of those games it's like I thought, oh, I'll just give it a little try and it's just, I sunk, sunk four hours into it and I was like, um, I think I spent like 25 minutes on one level trying to get a solution to to meet all the conditions so you can, um, essentially you can complete the game, um, complete every level by getting the basic logic right but then it grades you on like your speed and the number of commands you did it in. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, you yeah, you might do it in like nine moves. I might say, oh, you could do this in seven. And it might take you 24 operations on average. So that means him going back and forth 24 times. And he'll say, you can do it in 20. So it sets off, it sets off that little compare streak. And you like, especially as a program, I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't continue until I've met all the conditions. This is, this is my pride on the line. So I found myself 
of kind of like working away through <laughs> the evening trying to solve basic logic you know like basically increasingly difficult logic puzzles before going to bed very tired waking up six hours later and going to to work and solving quite complex logistical problems so I, I guess it's like art imitating life really so it, it, it kind of answers the question for me what if I was good at my job uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting by the time you finish the game you'll just be you can just go up to the boss and be like, I want a promotion. Look, I finished human resource machine. I'm a great programmer now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I so clearly, much better at my job thanks to this game. I clearly need more money. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, you, you, do, you do have to try it, Kieran, man. I know, I know it's like, it's too, it's too much like, it's, it's too much like our daily routine, but it has to be done. It's such a, it's such a fun game. Um, Like, looks-wise, Looks wise, it's great. It's um, I think it's done by the same people who did Word of World of Goo, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's got like that nice kind of cartoony look, and it's just it's just fun. It's like even when you even when you get things wrong, it doesn't feel like you know some some um, logic games. It feels really punishing. You know, like when yeah. you like um, I think there's more stuff like TIS um, hyphen 100 or uh, however you pronounce that. What about assembly? Know, yeah. That's kind of like. Yeah, it's a lot more brutal. This is kind of like a more fun, uh, fun, easy way of um, learning basic stuff about programming and also, you know, solving fun puzzles that you're at. So I definitely recommend it to anyone that's interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, it's super simple, but then, as you said, when your competitive streak starts coming into it, it starts getting all the more complex because you're like, okay, how do I do that with two moves less? (laughs) Yeah. And you see yourself playing the same level over and over going, how <laughs> did I do that? Yeah. Um, so I think I've got like 30, 30 levels into it. And then I stopped playing. And that was in one night. One night I did that. So I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. <laughs> just literally came off. I was like, oh, what the hell? I never stay up this late. Is this what midnight looks like? <laughs> slunk into bed uh, you've only ever so. seen Midnight before when playing Puyo Puyo Tetris or uh, Tricky Towers Tricky Towers with me and my <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. make me past the precipice of Midnight <laughs> the DLC for Tricky Towers just saying oh, oh. All, all it does is it adds skins for the for the Tetris blocks this time not for the oh. characters does I it mean, turn them into trash pandas? <laughs> Just drop them trash pandas. <laughs> That'd be so good. There's raccoons everywhere. <laughs> oh. It doesn't. I want that, though. Wait, I've just noticed the kind of theme. It seems to be only puzzle games that can keep me up past midnight. That's, uh... <laughs> well, that and um, Crackmania. Oh, man. Tra- More like Crackmania, man. Like, I had to stop playing that. It was just... It was eating into my days. Ugh. <laughs> Funny enough, that's not VR, but I've never tried it. Like the that's the one game off like like owning a VR headset. You kind of think, oh man, I really want to try all these games in VR. Then I saw Trackmania. I was like, nope, not even once. <laughs> <laughs> just the thought of trying try someone's bastard track in VR and just hurling my guts out everywhere. It's just like, oh god, you can imagine it with the loop, the loops and stuff. Oh, yeah. From what I no. understand, the uh, 
the VR mode for Trackmania is specific tracks that they made. It's not just every track. Okay. Uh, as unfortunate. Like, imagine how good it would be if it was just that one track that's just a straight line, then you hit a ramp and go flying through the air to land in one of the <laughs> Yeah. Or better yet, the same one that has a little dip in the middle so that you do that, but also spin through the air. <laughs> oh, 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 your tracks were the worst, man. There was just there was that one track that we spent hours doing. It was just like you had one little low in the track, and you just fly right over the so good. fly right over the jump. It was so bad. Got to ah. slow down to go around corners, man. Because <laughs> the corners also a hell. I, I, t- I treat track mania like I treat outrun, man. Just just let go of the, just let go of the accelerator. There's no such thing as braking. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as breaking in any racing game. Let <laughs> off the accelerator. You don't need the brakes. It works in real life as well. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but I don't think uh, I haven't got a license. Um, it's probably because I just I never break. I just let go of the accelerator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like run. You just go up to the highest gear and then just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I do in real life. I, I still don't understand why I have a license. I mean, I got I got to that train on time, Paul. So it it works. That that works. <laughs> I mean, you feared for your life, but you got there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, moving on. Shall we talk about some video games? Oh, uh, sure. If we have to. <laughs> cool. Um. Paul, how have you been getting on with Rise of the Tomb Raider? I had fully expected to be finished it by now, but unfortunately... Yeah, I thought you would have been finished. Uh, unfortunately, life got in the way, and I'm on the last level. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very close to being finished. Um, it's just what Tom was saying last time he was on, um, in the last episode, that the, the last few levels get very, very shooty. Um yeah, no. I didn't mind that. Whereabouts are you in the level without okay. giving too much away? I am on the... What do they call it? What do Is they call Laura it? dead yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've not finished Rise of the Tomb Raider. Not for everyone who's listening. Uh, I am on the... Is it the Path of the Dead, or...? Uh-huh. <laughs> the path of the Path of the Undead, or whatever it's called. Um, I'm right. effectively heading to get the, the artifact that you're looking for, the whole blooming game. Ah, uh, right, okay, so you haven't had any run-ins with any bad guys yet. Well, uh, well the, main bad, the main bad guys. No, no, that... Uh, Fighting those crazy. All right, so you, yeah, you've still got quite a right. You've still got quite a bit to go, yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've got the what is it they call it? The, I've got the map thing. I've done that. I've done all that stuff. I am inside the glacier at the moment. If that makes any sense to you. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you've still got quite a bit to go. All right. Okay. I thought I was pretty close to the end, but apparently not. I've been, uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I, I've went off, and the reason it's taken me, I, I usually just plow straight in a story in this kind of game, but I had a lot of fun doing pretty much all of the side quests within the, the first valley you go into. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
pretty much did every side quest almost. Picked up all the, the secret tombs, uh, went hunting the specific animals because you needed them to make specific things. Favourite part was probably the, the the crazy witch side quest. I don't know if you did that. Yes, I did. I did a little bit Yoko of it. I didn't do Yoko all of Baba? it. Yeah, uh, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga, yeah, that was... I thought that was really, really good. Uh, the first time I walked in to the start of that, when you walk into her hidden like little valley section, and you start basically tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's off, off her tits the whole time. Just <laughs> it's like... It, it's freaky, but at the same time, you're like, this is really well done. Was that stuff not uh, DLC for the game originally? Yeah. kind of got pulled. The PS4 one just has everything in it. Yeah, the PS4 one has all the DLC and stuff in it, so I, I actually don't know if I'm doing DLC stuff or whatever if this wasn't in the original game. Um, I think all the purple missions are so that Baba Yaga um, DLC. Alright, okay. Well, that's possibly my favourite part I've done so far. Um... Considering it a, a side quest, because it is in the PS4 version, basically just a side quest. Um, I really like it once you get into the the hidden valley where the the, the hidden city is. Thought it was really fun to explore. Um, from there on out, it seems to really pick up pace and speed up a lot. But maybe that's because I found less side quests there. But in terms of where I am, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I'm kind of climbing my way through that path of the undead or whatever it is at the moment into further into the glacier. And it does get a lot more shitty. Um, the holding the bad guys off in the Hidden Valley was a section I wasn't super fond of. I seem mm. to be enjoying the puzzles more, which is weird for me, who usually plays games running gun. I have specifically really not been using guns in this at all, and only been using the bow. Um, so I've been using the explosive arrows in the bow. Um, in fact, I'll tell you exactly where I am. Uh, I'm where you're using the catapults to open the gates. In the flooded section of the city. I think... I think... You are exactly where I fell off the game. <laughs> yeah, you're... I, I'm currently using trebuchets to knock open the final gate. Yeah. Um... I got to bed where snowy. <laughs> so you put, uh, you put the disc in the disc tray then? I finished the tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really enjoying the game, uh, and I kind of want to get to the end and see what Tom was saying, but I haven't fallen away from it yet. I'm kind of like starting to get there with where I am right now, because you do the trebuchet thing once it open one gate, and then you get yeah. to the next section, and it's like, oh hey, here's another gate. It's just going to be... Harder because you now need to use like three different trebuchets. Because every time you use one, someone else blows it up. Yeah, that's video games for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 
you you were a fan of the first one, weren't you? I I absolutely loved the first game. I thought it was great, and up until this point, I've enjoyed this one just as much. I I kind of I kind of agree with you. I, I didn't fall off it because I wasn't. Um, I didn't think the game was good. I think it was just like. I was playing it because the gameplay was good, but I wasn't really enjoying the story at all. Yeah, no, that's right. kind of where I'm at. The story's not keeping me engaged, I'm just enjoying the gameplay. Yeah. I've had a two-week break or something from it at this point, just due to just coursework and uni and stuff. So it'll be interesting to maybe pop it back in this weekend and try and finish it off and see how I feel about it. Yeah, it does feel... Um I feel like I should go back and play again because I I don't know if anyone remembers when I played the game originally when it came out for Xbox One and I said the game was absolutely brilliant, loved the story, loved everything. It does feel like it's it's aged incredibly quickly. And I don't yes. know if that is because of Uncharted and just the level of games that we've been getting now. I think that might be my problem that I've played Uncharted 4 before this right and I'm not saying it isn't as good as Uncharted 4 but it might not be I I did play Uncharted 4 before this and I have to say I don't think Uncharted 4's story was great either it it was I'm right with Tomboy's brother was there um good good old Sam I remember him always always in the back of the late time yeah he was in all the games right (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure what it is like um yeah it's, I've, I came in the same way as you like I, I played Uncharted 4 beforehand obviously because it came out like a good 7-8 months before yeah or something yeah. Like that. um and it, it it doesn't it hasn't done anything particularly badly I and mean, it's, it's a great game it's just that yeah, I just I just kind of feel like I've played a kind of big Indiana Jones adventure game already this year, and I probably just got into it a bit too early. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind yeah. of I think that's kind of how I feel as well. And I'm not yeah. super into those kind of games anyway. Like I've never been the biggest Uncharted fan, or you know, the biggest Tomb Raider fan or anything. No, no. But, I, I was never a yeah. big Tomb Raider fan until the, the reboot in the last game, and then yeah. thoroughly loved it, and I was hoping this would be as good. And I... It is gameplay-wise, but story-wise, I just don't think it is. Yeah, because the first one had a kind of really dark, almost like the Descent vibe going on. It was like... It, it was almost survival horror at times. Yeah, it was. It was. And then this one it was like maybe it was in the run up to release, but it kind of it kind of felt like ah oh, this is how she becomes the powerful Laura that you kind of know and love. And I know it's a reboot, but it it maybe maybe I just took the kind of promo in the wrong direction. I kind of felt like they were going to push more towards the kind of more traditional boisterous Laura, but it just kind of, where I've got to, it just kind of felt plodding and and it's just a really melodramatic story where it's just like I, I loved your father but also I must do evil now and I'm just like ah, just, I don't know it's, <laughs> it's, it's 
game's really puzzled me that I'm just like yeah the, I think that might be my problem is the storyline the gameplay is actually great but I'll, I'll, I'll try and finish it off this weekend and be able to kind of give you my full opinion on it next week that's cool. Uh, so, Kieran, you've been playing more Fire Emblem Heroes, and I'm doing that with a large eye roll that people can't oh, see. Alright, let me tell you about Fire Emblem Heroes. <laughs> it is actually my most played game of the past two weeks. Um, <laughs> Again, eye roll that the people at home can't see. I finished the story mode, um which isn't that long and that story doesn't really end because they're all like 100% definitely going to add more chapters to it so it kind of just goes we won a fight we didn't really defeat the enemy but we won a fight, game over and it's like okay great I guess got 9 chapters into this for you just to be like by the way the game's over now Um I really like that game. It's just this kind of bite-sized Fire Emblem stuff. It just works really well. Um, you can get through like one of those fights in you know a couple of minutes, and as a result, I will sit on the tram and just get through a bunch of those fights. Or I'll I have a question them. for you. Uh-huh. How much of your real money have you put in? Uh, he's yeah, there we he's go. Put real money in. He's All put real it. money in. Uh, I, I do need to put real money in. I didn't put much in. I, I, <laughs> look, I, look, it was best value, right, to get the £100 one. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, put much in. I I didn't take many drugs. I can't remember. Like, like, <laughs> no, how, I, how many orbs did you buy, Kieran? I don't remember. Cause I don't have a phone from me. It was the second was it 140? one. <laughs> yeah, it's 140 fucking orbs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bought... It's like... It's like 10 or something like that you get for £6. I think. Maybe less than that. Whatever, I got like the second lowest amount. Um, and I, I, got, I got a couple of five-star people from that, so it was totally worthwhile. But then I didn't use any of them because my team has got Effie on it, so why would I replace Effie? Uh, you said... So you completed a story mode. Yeah. Did you unlock the true ending? Is there a true ending? I go yeah, you got you got to get Donald. That's, that's the only way you truly beat that game, man. I've got fucking like four Donalds. God damn it, it's fucking the worst. <laughs> <laughs> they had a, they had the spit like. I really like the game because uh, they do this thing where it seems to rotate like every couple of days or so, where they have a special event that you can do that unlocks a character, just gives you a character. And they'll have two difficulties for it. There'll be a regular one and a hard one. And the goal for all of them is always win without losing any characters. If you lose even one game over, then you have to go back into it again. Um, and most of the time, it's characters that don't show up very often. They've got like a low chance of showing up in the in the gacha system. And then another time, it's just fucking Donald, who's a fucking child wearing a pot on his head, and he's like. Hey bro, I'm here to kill things. Also, I have like the worst stats in the fucking game, and I'm useless. Whoa. And it's like, God damn it, Donald. Don't, don't you dare shit talk Donald, man. <laughs> he is the top tier character in Awakening. Oh uh, well, he's not in this. Um, he's trash tier. <laughs> um, now my team has been 
Crom uh, because Crom is overpowered as fuck, like he was mm. in Awakening. Um, it was Awakening Crom was in, wasn't it? Yeah, Crom uh, was the yeah. secondary main character. I have uh, Effie, who was the really tanky woman in uh, the kind of pink armor from Fire Emblem Fates. Uh, yeah, she was only in Conquest. I'm not sure. I assume you at least fight against her another one if she's not in your team. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a couple of other characters. I, I think I've got Lynn, who I can't remember one she's from, but she's super popular and as a result also super powerful. Um, and then a mage. I can't remember her name. She was kind of the one that's just there to fill out the party because I. It has the the you know the triangle that uh, all the Fire Emblem games have. Of you know lances, axes, and swords, um, but it's also simplified down a bit more to also just green, blue, and red. So magic is also split up into green, blue, and red magic. So I have a green mage, and then Lynn and Crom both are red sword users, and then Effie is a blue lance user, and also she will just. It's this weird thing where the way they get around it is, you know, in the main games, Effie can't move very far because she's a big tanky character. In this, because all of the maps are so much smaller, she can only move one space at a time, which makes her somewhat useless in a lot of the maps, unless you Mm -hmm. kind of just skip a lot of turns and draw people towards you. But the moment anyone is near her, regardless of whether they are kind of advantaged or disadvantaged on the triangle... She'll fucking destroy them. She just tears them apart. It's so good. Um, but yeah, so you end up with all these kind of cool little strategies like that, where you can just be like, okay, well, Effie's really slow, but I know that if I drag people towards her, she will just wipe everyone out. But also, it might be all the people up here are blue, and so if my mage goes up, she'll just wipe them all out, so I don't need to worry about even getting them to Effie. Um, so you end up you know, have these really quick little strategic, you know, little matches. Um, and one of the cool things it's got is this, it's got an arena mode, which is, um, you take in a team, and it pairs you against a team of another player's characters. Uh, it's not actually controlled by another player, it's just AI, but it puts you up against their characters, like their team, basically, that they last went into the arena with. And if you beat them, you get arena points, which chain as you kind of win matches. And then when the arena season ends, which I don't know if they said if they're changing it or not, but at the moment it's a, a week per season. Um, so every Tuesday it resets, but you get like a bunch, it just pays out a bunch of points basically, which you can then use to upgrade characters and you know do all that other stuff. Um, cool. The one thing for me that is kind of I'm not super into in it is uh, the way that it handles certain kind of free play resource stuff. Most of it's fine because there's there's stamina, which hasn't really been an issue for me because stamina you know you use like four or five stamina to go into a match in the arena, and most of the story mode matches are only like two or three stamina and. You have enough that you can do a few of them, and then it resets over time, and you end up just. Like, I don't play it for long periods of time, so it's never been an issue for me that I've oh I've run out of stamina, I can't play anymore. It's like oh, well I got off my tram anyway, so who cares? Um, 
Um, but more it's things like the arena where you can chain battles up to seven. You can have up to seven victories in the arena that chain and get you bonuses. But also you only have three arena crests at a time which are what you use to enter the arena and do these battles instead of stamina. And they reset over time but it takes a lot longer to reset or you can just use an item to do it which I don't know if you can actually spend real money to get them or if they're just weird things but basically you you know you have to use these items to be able to go into the arena and it's one of the kind of more repeatable parts of the game um, but for the most part it's, it's just a fun little light Fire Emblem game it's easier than Fire Emblem Awakening or Fates so that's good Although I did actually play a bit more of uh, Fate's Conquest. I managed to actually finish a battle, which is good. <laughs> finish the whole battle? It's, it's like, man, you've not fucking played Fire Emblem Conquest. No, I have not. <laughs> uh, bullshit hard, man. <laughs> yeah, I think Mike finished it, though. Or at least got really far. Um, I... Yeah, I finished the first one, um... Uh, but Conquest I got I think I got a good three or four after after where you got to yeah so I'm probably closer to catching up next I think I've done another two since then alright okay finished I forget what the last battle was I did I think it was the one on the on that ice no it was uh, I did the ice one it was because you do the ice one then you do the kind of port town where you have to defend an area. Yes. Um, and that one was actually relatively easy because I just hid in the corner and Effie murdered everyone. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> Effie's overpowered in that game. So you just put someone next to Effie and then she just fucking demolishes everyone. Um, yeah. And then the one after that, I think the one I'm on, where you're in a temple at the top of a mountain. And you're kind of uh, going through room after yep. room of enemies. Yes. Um, so that's kind of yeah. where I'm at now. Which that I got most of the way through that. It didn't seem too hard. I just haven't had a chance to finish it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, Fire Emblem's great. I, yeah. I might pick up that new 3DS one, even though I'll have a Switch by the time it comes out. Yeah. Um, I, you should try and pick up Awakening as well. Yeah, I would like to. Um, yeah. One. Um, oh, I we were talking offline um, after we recorded one of the podcasts and I was buying bits and bobs for my um, my uh, Game Boy Advance that I'd bought and uh, eventually my copy of the original Fire Emblem uh, Game Boy Advance game came from China nice oh cool Which one yeah it's just called Fire Emblem yeah and, and it was it was something else in Japan is the thing as I don't remember yes yeah um, and oh man that is very very old <laughs> yeah um, yeah it is I, I think it's a, a straight port of the original NES was Fire Emblem originally on NES yeah but I don't think it is I think it was is it Blazing Blade is that the it, one that had lead in it actually I'm not too sure. I think it might be, um, I, don't know, I don't remember. There was yeah, there was uh, it was Japan only for a long time. Right. Yeah. 
but I had a look at it. Um, I didn't get too far into it, but yeah, it is. It is a far cry away from what we have now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know how easy it will be to get back in to to go back into that one. Honestly, even the the second GBA game was such a big step up over that. Um, the Sacred Stones the sa- is yes. the Fire Emblem that got me into Fire Emblem. Yeah, I have uh, I have that on my 3DS from the Nintendo Ambassador program. Mm-hmm. What? Still which one was which one was the one? I can't remember if it was the GameCube or Wii one where you could level up, but you might not get any stat increases. It was like a, it was it was like RNG based. I don't uh, know. I don't know, but that sounds like the kind of bullshit thing that a Fire Emblem game would do. Yeah. <laughs> if, it was uh, out, if it was out here, it was the Wii one because the GameCube one never came out in the UK. It might be it might be the Wii one then because yeah. I remember annoying, playing it. Because the the Wii one was a direct sequel to the GameCube one, but we never got the GameCube one. Here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bullshit <laughs> thing. I just remember leveling up and like I got no stat increase. I was like, "Well, fuck <laughs> this nonsense!" It just seems <laughs> <laughs> like you have to the kind of game you would have to save scum every time it looks like you might level up. Yeah. The worst. Um, I never played that Wii one. I always, always wanted to. I will pick up the one on the Switch next year, I'm sure. Um, cool. But yeah, that's the the Fire Emblem minute. Um, Nathan, you've actually been playing new games, unlike us, mostly. Because um, you pick up Neo, or Nio, or... No, or Nio. Nio. Tell me what it's like to. Tell me what it's like to be an Englishman in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's. I think it's fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, it's. I don't really want to say like what everyone says. Like it's Ninja. It's Ninja Gaiden Souls Diablo. But it is Ninja Gaiden Souls Diablo, and it's it's um it's fun for it. The Diablo bit was a bit of a surprise. Like I like I played the the Alpha and the Beta, and I kind of like knew what it was going in. But um there's a lot, so it, there's kind of a lot of emphasis on kind of like building up gear and sets. So. There's, that's like kind of the distinct change you know well the distinct difference between it and kind of like something like Dark Souls where they're both like you you go to bonfire equivalents and level up there and it resets all the enemies but where, where it kind of change, differs in philosophy it's like Dark Souls is a lot more about kind of like discovering shortcuts through the world whereas Neo is kind of like mission based with with different rank difficulties, um, but yeah, that was the bit that I didn't, because I played the alpha, and you didn't really get a sense for that because you know it's an alpha, it just throws you into a level, yeah. which level you play. I thought <coughs> this game was going to be, you know, like Dark Souls or Bloodborne or, or even Bloodborne was slightly level based, but still, like a lot of them led into each other. Yeah. And then people were like, "Oh no, it's more like." 
Destiny or Diablo or something then that is, you know, level based. And yeah, it's bit, yeah, it is very, it is very level based. I mean, do you, it's got the very traditional game structure of you do a, you do a distinct mission, you, you know, like um, you go through, you unlock shortcuts, you fight a boss you complete that mission and the next mission might take you back through that same level but in reverse mm-hmm. or you might or you might go to to a previous location that's got a more difficult difficult mission available now like um so I'm still quite early into it because like you know Dark Souls or Bloodborne it's like bullshit hard at some point <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a lot fairer. I think it's a lot fairer in terms of the actual enemies, um, because the battle system is a lot more fluid. Um, that's where the my kind of ninja guide and comparison comes in, because your character can actually be quite quick and nimble. Um, the the weapon that I use is called like a a kusanagari, which is kind of like a sickle with a. It's almost like a mace. So if you imagine like. He swings a sickle and like he does really rapid attacks. Then he'll have like a mace kind of like ball on a chain to kind of hit them with the the blunt edge. And and uh, the combat is distinctly different as well. Whereas you know um, it's it's cl- it's a lot closer to Bloodborne than it is Dark Souls because Dark Souls, well up until three was quite you know plodding and methodical. Mm. Um, whereas Dark Souls 3 kind of like borrowed a lot from Bloodborne and that it was a lot quicker and it was about you're, you're better off dodging them rather than doing the old school turtling yeah. you know with a sword and shield um, with this as you probably know you've got like different stances so you have a, a high a high stance which is kind of like slower attacks but they tend to do a lot more damage um your mid-range attack, which is kind of like a good balance between defense and and uh, and attack, and you have your low one, which is kind of like uh, low damage but quicker, but quicker attacks and easier to block. So it's almost like a fighting game in that way. I was gonna you know, say like so it's got... kind of like Mitsurugi from Soul Calibur. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty <laughs> much. You know, like um, there's a, I think like in terms of it, there's there's a uh, a lot's gone into it. Um, your weapon, your, like your your weapons, drastically change how you fight in that game. So, for example, I've gone with, as I said, that Kusunagari and a and a spear. And what I tend to do is that I tend to use the use this like kind of sickle to it kind of ha- in its middle in the mid stance. It kind of has like swinging attacks that are good for catching wide groups. And then when one gets closer, I'll switch to low stance, which does a kind of uh, really fast, really fast close-up kind of damage in, well, low damage, but very rapid attack to kind of stagger them. Then you'll switch to like a, a high stance and go in for the real damage. So, I mean, um, you've, you've really got to really kind of get an idea of the, the weapons that you're playing with, um, and each one plays each each weapon plays difficult uh, differently. I mean, you got your your kind of slow, you got your slow axes, you got your spears for poking, um, and it it reminds me kind of it. Well, obviously you played a bit of token, and it kind of reminds me of that in that you know you're always getting new weapons, trading them up, gaining mastery, and then 
you know, you're never staying with a weapon too long, although you yeah. might be staying with the same weapon type. That's where the kind of Diablo part comes in, because it's like, oh man, I've got this awesome, I've got these awesome dual katanas, and then you, you like kill an enemy, like two enemies later, it's like, oh man, I've got these even better yellow, rarer style katanas that give got, me... This one dropped a bunch of purple ones. Great. Yeah, it, it is literally like destiny, because you're dropping purple rares and yellow ones and and yeah, it is about kind of, no it is one, a secret loot game <laughs> no one fucks with the the colour system since Diablo it just like <laughs> in the first game as purple for rares you know everything yeah, is it's, it. it's, it's it's really a fantastic game um, the boss the boss fights can can be quite a difficult spike <laughs> it's like the um, I'm only a few missions in, if, I, if I'm being honest, but there's there's one boss that's really kicking, that's really kicking my ass, man. It's like, I think I've reached the, the blood-starved beast equivalent of that game, where it's like, oh, you've been having fun plodding through, testing out your weapons, huh? Well, bullshit. Now it's time to put skill behind that weapon, mister. Except um, this enemy is really rapid. Like, it, you're, you're in kind of like a big open arena, and she'll close the gap on you within like two seconds with a crazy diving move, and... She she's got wings and flies and uh, all kind of craziness going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've really been enjoying it. Haven't really delved into any of the co-op stuff yet, although I don't think you can actually. I don't think I can actually call anyone to help me till I beat this boss. I think it's uh, if I understand correctly, you have to have completed a level to be able to go through it. To go through it um, co-op. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Which is fine. I mean, it's a slightly dis- different philosophy. It's kind yeah. of just like... I don't know. There are sections of, like, Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne I would not have gone through if I didn't play co-op. And I don't uh, know if I would finish this game. I mean, I didn't even finish Dark Souls 3. But I don't know if I'd finish this game if I didn't, you know, have access to co-op for the bits that I'm struggling in. I think you can yeah. still... At, at so it's it's a bit weird the way they've done it. I think at shrines, which are like the equivalent of, um, you know, like bonfires in yeah. Dark Souls, I think you can actually summon people. Okay. Like you, I think you can. I don't know if you have to use an item, but the weird thing is, like, if if you and if you if you and I were playing, we'd both have to have completed a level, which is makes that decision slightly stranger. But um, yeah. so. I, I, Weird. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just battling through. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, to, to be honest, I haven't delved too far into it because, like, probably a similar story to you. Yakuza Zero is just taking up all, <laughs> all of my time. Um, but I, I do thoroughly recommend it if, um, if you're into like Souls-like games. Um, it, it cribs from it nicely, but. The, the underlying philosophy of the game is radically different and it's also it's also got a nice kind of touch where you kind of meet historical figures but they speak their native languages which is always kind of a nice touch it's like you meet um, I don't know if you know Hanzo Hattori like the the famed kind of like ninja and sword maker yeah 
Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 You're going strong on Hunter. Um, yeah, you, you meet him, and it was, it was a nice touch, but he's actually, you know, speaking Japanese, and uh, your main character has responded back in responded back in English although I think he's supposed to be English but he, to me it sounds like he's got a really hard Irish accent but that that just might that just might be me um, and it's like I think everybody in the game is supposed to be based on historical figures so the character you're playing at it's supposed, uh, the character you're playing as is based on a, on the first I believe the first Englishman the first Englishman to reached the shores of Zipang, or Japan, as it's now called. You might have heard of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, um, it's almost got that Assassin's Creed kind of, this, this kind of happened in, this kind of happened in history around this time, but probably not the way, yeah. not, not, not like this. Well, I'm hoping it wasn't giant demons rolling around Japan in the late 1500s. The crime is a real place, man. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> It's a different time. But yeah, oh, like, if only there was a Yakuza game set in this time period. Uh, <laughs> if only. Yeah, wait a little bit. They made one, they just never translated it. Oh. Yeah, the the official word on that was like, yeah, we got some really complex old time with Japanese that's really hard to translate even to Japanese people, so you guys have no fucking chance. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Thanks, Sega. There we go. Yeah. Um, right, we are running long here, so... Yes. Nathan, what do I say about Dandy Dungeon? Dandy Dungeon is better than Fire Emblem Heroes. That's probably fair. (laughs) One sentence would be... That, um... I thought I'd give it... I think everyone has their their mobile game that they've been playing, but, um... I think I, I, I heard of... Like, it was actually through the recommendations of Fire Emblem Heroes that I found Dandy, uh, Dandy Dungeon. It's, it's a pretty pretty fun kind of um, free-to-play game that uh, I believe the person the person that made it actually worked on um, Little King's Story as well. Oh. And No More Heroes. Um, don't know. I think it's like Yashira... I think it's Yashira Kimura. Um... But essentially what this is is a free-to-play game where you play as a 36-year-old reclusive developer called Yamada-kun. And you're intro- you're introduced to him as he's sitting there at his PC in his underpants. And he's like, I'm going to make a game. So <laughs> he's like, you just need to tap me a lot. So you tap him and then it zooms into him, like frantically tapping at his screen. And he starts, like he basically creates a, he creates a level. And uh, he level up. He levels up as he gets better at producing his game. But what also happens is that he uses you to debug his game. He's making like a dungeon crawler. So you you go through and it's um, you go through and it's a basically a five by five grid. And all it is is like a simple kind of tracing game. So like you got to make a line and um, make sure you touch every touch every part of the grid. But also get to the exit and do it do it within the allotted time before um, your health starts decreasing. But every time he he upgrades, it gets a bit more complex. So he starts adding in things like walls. Uh, he adds in monsters. You start getting swords and shields. So it starts becoming like a kind of 
um, dungeon crawler RPG set on five by five grids. That as as Yamada gains experience and kind of builds up, you you kind of the the levels kind of build up and get more complex. And um, a few levels in, he meets a, a lovely girl who moves in next door and decides that the way to win her heart is to win her heart in the video game. <laughs> so. Um, he basically puts a he basically designs a tower of a princess that resembles her at the top and then his boss comes to his house and fires him and then become oh this seems like a lot of story for a freeze play game your PC um it's it's really it's really kind of entertaining it's very very meta it's a it's a very bizarre kind of free to play um gacha style game but the good thing about it is that i've been play i played a, a few hours of it now but i've never had to kind of like dump money in and i f- believe that there's actually an item that's the equivalent of like a in at purchase of 849 like it's a duck item that apparently um, removes all the kind of you know like the the normal free to play trappings it reduces them greatly so it it gives you much greater storage uh you lose the you lose the kind of you know like stamina based wait time on doing stuff oh yeah so so it's kind of it's, it's kind of good in that it's a free to play game where you can do in app purchases for stuff like rice balls and stuff for energy i've never had to but you've also got the option to kind of almost buy it outright but that's alright yeah, yeah I agree with I like that. that I like that as an idea especially yeah, for something that seems to have like a decent amount of story like this it seems like yeah a good way to do it oh yeah it's, it's, it's definitely it's definitely worth checking out for the story it's just like this bizarre meta game with this un, this uh, developer in his underwear trying to win the heart of his next door neighbour while also battling his ex-boss slash demon lord so so <laughs> relatable yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. It sounds cool. I'm going to download it. Um, right now. Right now. Well, my phone's on the other side <laughs> of the room, so probably not right now. Um, the only other video game we've got listed here is Furious Shay and Boost Modes. Nathan, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate just a little bit. <laughs> well, um, obviously we're running long, but the I'd say the main game that I that I tested out, um, obviously a boost mode for I've essentially got the 4.5 firmware um, that's currently in beta now on PS4 that gives you a boost mode that it kind of unlocks the CPU slightly for for non-pro patch games, which is kind of like what everybody expected from the pro from the off. Um, yes. So it's it's kind of got like a caveat that says this will this will uh, this will make things run better. Untuck like untick this if it fucks everything. So it's kind <laughs> of like, well, you wanted it here. It is kind of mode. Um, so yeah, it, it really kind of affects. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 obviously a it'd be a, a kind of logistical nightmare to to kind of, kind of go through every old PS4 game and be like yeah this 
you know, this this runs fast uh, faster now. But uh, the games I tried it with were Bloodborne, um, Just Cause Free, and like one that would benefit from it quite a bit. Oh, Just Cause Free. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it definitely improved the frame rate, and then it didn't improve the quality of the game. I forgot how bad that game actually is. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it, it it definitely it definitely improved. It, it has definitely improved the overall performance of the game. Like it, it kind of like there, there weren't really any dips when I was playing through it. Um, the loading times are still awful. Like going into going into the menu, and it was even worse um, as I was playing it. It went into offline mode, which if you've played Just Cause Free, and that game goes into offline mode, essentially you're stuck waiting for a minute. Every time you pause the, the game to look at the map until it reconnects, it's it's, uh, it's yeah. fucking awful. Um, that game is such a bummer because yeah, the second yeah. is so good. But yeah, it's it's interesting seeing how the boost mode deals with that because that game on PS4 struggled to get over like twenty five, not even twenty five. Like it was in the low twenties just by default. Like and then when things actually happened, it would dip to under that. It was not a well-performing game at all. No, that definitely it was. The the weirdest thing about that game was like it wouldn't even dip in the areas you'd expect. Like, like yeah, you like when you create a load of explosions, you know, like you'd expect some kind of dips because it's quite quite intensive. But there'd be random things like you'd be going through a tunnel and it'll just slow to a, a, a absolute crawl yeah or you're, you're driving about, uh, like out in the countryside with nothing nearby and then all of a sudden the framework would just collapse yeah <laughs> like you, you, you're talking single digits it's like a slideshow yeah um I played like I played for about an hour just like going around the the areas that that I kind of knew gave you know gave me a fair few issues when I when I was playing it originally and it's I had no no dips at all. Um, Bloodborne, Bloodborne, uh, which was which was pretty pretty stable in most places. Um, I believe the worst area in Bloodborne's the uh, the the nightmare, the the school you go to just before the yeah. the nightmare frontier. Um, that room where you get like ten of those goo monsters. It, oh yeah, <laughs> they seem to become room. a slideshow. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The grinding room. It's, I spent that many a good hour in that room. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, that that actually ran well as well. Like, um, I, you know, this is all anecdotal. This is all anecdotal, but it was definitely a lot faster than it used to be because that that was definitely a room where you would go in and that that game would actually come to to almost like a complete standstill at, at like some point. So. Yeah. It's, it's quite good, although I have to say I've I've had a few weird frame pacing issues if I leave it on with Yakuza Zero sometimes. That's weird. So it'd be that like game's, um, that game's pretty solid in general. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like sometimes, like um, sometimes, like I'll unpause it from the menu and it's like you run at 400 miles per hour for a few steps and then <laughs> the game kind of like sorts itself out I mean it's, it's, it's nothing it, it's nothing serious so it's not like I'm oh I'm playing Yakuza I'm going to toggle this off but I have kind of like witnessed 
a reason for their caveat you know it's like they couldn't really just put it in and be like yeah go crazy guys or just like have it by default because yeah. it is it is a real crapshoot depending on the games that you're that you're playing but I I am um, I'm really pleasantly surprised by that the update and hopefully um, the performance continues as the the bear can, as the bear goes on and another point I want to bring up is um, PSVR the you know the weird jittering motion you get sometimes if you don't suspend if you so obviously none of you have it but there's a weird there's a weird tracking motion area you sometimes get with the the PSVR that it keeps constantly shifting yeah and a lot of that tends to be if you if you um play if you play the VR when coming out of suspend like suspend and resume mode rather than turning it off and on like kind of power cycling before putting the VR on and uh-huh. this this beta seems to have solved that um the tracking seems to be like a lot more stable which is which is fine like it I know it hurts a lot of people it wasn't really that it to me it wasn't really that bad it was just like the, the it, it meant that the picture would move like a couple of centimeters sometimes yeah. but it, seems it like wasn't like if you were doing yeah. it at home most of the time it was fine but then some people that had more elaborate setups like you know game sites that had a studio and stuff like that mm. they had way more crazy things like the one I always saw was uh, gifs of um, that Until Dawn on rail shooter where by the end of the first level your hand had like turned 180 degrees and was basically just pointing like towards you because it drifted <laughs> lost sight of where everything was um yeah yeah no I think yeah that's it I don't know um 4.5 I've been testing through um my American account but for for all I said and done um seems pretty solid apparently it's brought 3D Blu-rays to PSVR I have no 3D Blu-rays to test this out um, right and why would you yeah, free. Uh, I've already um, give myself migraines with the VR. I don't need to add in the the extra degree of 3D to really put me out of action. Um, but no, it's 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 definitely it's definitely. Um, it might not be that big of a deal for people that are probably non-pro, non-PSVR, but you can also set custom wallpapers now. You know, so oh, we're right. almost, okay. yeah, we're almost getting to PS3 levels of of customization <laughs> now. But can you put custom music? Because uh, that's the thing I really care about with themes. Can you put? I don't think you can. I need my Garou Mark of the Wolves music playing at all times. <laughs> you mean you mean your J stars? <laughs> oh, so my J stars! Oh my god, that music from Mars! Hear that theme so much. But no, yeah, so it's a solid, definitely a solid update. Um, as I said, hopefully, it, hopefully, it, you know, comes out and performs as well. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Should we move on to board games then? Board games! Yay! Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Mike. Yes. You played one deck dungeon. Yes. I yes. Don't know what so it I. Is, other than a game that I almost backed and didn't. <laughs> yeah, so um, continuing my foray into games that are one-player friendly, so you can uh, either play them, you know, with somebody or just solo them. Uh, I found a game called One Deck Dungeon. It was indeed a Kickstarter from Asmadi Games, so that's the guys that made Win Lose Banana. Um, yeah, we and if you do, I was going to say if you don't know what win lose or banana is, then um, uh, shut up and sit down. Where uh, they were obsessed with it for a while because it's a, a silly three card game, and it actually, I think it gained popularity at one of the Gen Cons um, a good few number of years ago. And essentially, it's three card bluff. You know, three players have got a card each. And they're saying, I've got this, this is the card I have, I've got the banana. And if you find the banana, it's fine. Um, but if you find the winner, the lose card, you, then you win or lose. <laughs> A really silly game. But yeah, yeah. Um, but they have other games and things. But One, One Deck Dungeon is a, a dungeon crawl. And um, it is played literally with one deck of cards. So the... Um, you pick one, you know, a character that you, you're going to go into a dungeon with, and you've got your usual sort of character tropes. You've got the warrior, the archer, the rogue, the paladin, and mage. And um, they all have um, different strengths and, and attributes. Um, so the, the, there's three types of attributes, and you've got them in different levels depending on the character. So, you know, you have your usual... Strength, agility, and um, magic. Uh, the three abilities that you have. Um, and they are... Everything that is done in the game is done by rolling dice. So if your warrior has an, a, you know, a, a strength of three strength, then you get three, three dice, three yellow dice to use uh, when you go into the dungeon. Um, the dungeon itself is made up of uh, a load of cards and on the cards will either be a monster that you have to fight uh, or there will be a trap you know that you have to deal with um, normally there's two ways to deal with the trap you can let's say it's a locked door you can either try your roguelike skills and pick the lock or you can use your brute strength and smash through the door and you pick which one you want to do and then you have to roll dice to get to a certain number. Um, each of the cards, if you think of the cards in uh, a little bit like Fuse, if you remember Fuse, yeah. uh, that's the, the game where you're diffusing bombs with dice. Um, each card on here will have, um, so like I said, the three attributes that you have um, are represented by dice. So you may be facing a monster and it may have... A, a box on it that says you need to put dice, pink dice, up to the value of 12, and then you need to put three blue dice at value of three each, and two yellow dice with a value of one each. Um, so what happens is you roll all the, all the dice that you have, and then you try and place them on these boxes. If you can place them in all the boxes, that's fine, perfect, you, you defeat that monster and you carry on. 
If you don't, you have to start taking the penalties that are printed on these boxes. Now, the, the penalties may be you lose health or you lose time. Um, if that happens, you pay the penalty, and if you're still living, then you, you've you defeated the monster, but you, you took a couple of you know bumps and bruises along the way. Hmm. Um, the way the game deals with time is quite... I quite like it, um, because... Like I said, you've got all these doors, all these dun um, monsters and traps, and that makes up your dungeon. Uh, the last, very last card inside your dungeon is a set of stairs. Uh, once you reveal the set of stairs, that's you going on to the next level of the dungeon. Each dungeon has three levels, and after you complete the third level, once you get to the end of it, you face a boss. Um, so uh, going back to time, like I said, what you do with the time is you discard um, cards from the top of your dungeon. So it takes you a while to move somewhere, or it takes you a while to um, fight a monster. So every time you open a new door, then you need to discard two cards off the top. Um, or if you um, explored the dungeon, so you know if you put new door, new unopened doors out, then you discard two cards off the top of the deck before you do that as well. So every time you do something to start your turn, you discard two cards off the top of the deck. Um, the game is uh, one player or two player, and it's played cooperatively. So everyone is in the exact same place at the same time. And the only thing that you're doing is you're both rolling your dice, and then you'll decide the best way to place your dice on the cards. Um, the other thing that everyone has is skills. So you may have a skill that allows you to change your opponent, uh, not your opponent, your partner's dice, or um, to increase the level of his dice that he's rolled. Or there may be something that allows you to, um, for your partner to re-roll his dice or something. Um, it's rather cool. Um, there's potions in the game that you can earn as well. Potions can do things the same as skills. And you can also level up. So once you... Uh, once you beat a monster, there's a couple of things that you can do to it. You, you can either take the monster has a certain part of the card if you turn it one way, which gives you um, items. These items are basically more dice, so you know it will either be a strength dice, an agility dice, or a magic dice. Um, so you can do that, and that's your benefit that you're going to take. Or you can take um, you can take the skill of the potion that the card has and you stick that you place that card a certain way so you to signify that you're taking the potion benefit or the skill benefit in that card the other thing that you can do when you defeat a monster or a room is uh, you can take pure experience points once you get a certain level of experience points you level up there's four levels that you can level up to in the game and the benefits of leveling up is you get to equip more skills and more items so you get more dice to get through the dungeon really simple game played with a one deck of cards um, and just very very good um, it, it captures a dungeon crawl perfectly works really well and the added thing that they did um, through the Kickstarter, I think it came out as a stretch goal. I'm not 100 percent sure because I, I didn't I didn't back it. I mm. bought it once it came out to retail. Is the game comes with a a pad, a, a notepad, and on that notepad is kind of like a what do they call it? Uh, 
it's getting late, so I'm, I'm losing my big white board, <laughs> so I'm going to look in the... Uh, it's a ca- they call it the campaign mode. And essentially, after every time you play the game, you get um, experience points. You, um, so you get experience points for completing a floor or leveling up or defeating a boss. And what you can do with these is you can tick off certain things and you can earn talents um, for use. So there are four different ways that you can... Uh, Excuse me. There's four different ways that you can improve your character. There's basic abilities, and that will give you things like you start the game with an extra basic skill, or um, you have extra health. There's healing talents that you can get, and those will maybe do things like, um, you know, you start the game with an extra healing potion. There's combat ones that maybe allow you to reroll your combat dice. Um, and then the final uh, talent that you can unlock is um, dungeoneering. So you may be able to manipulate traps better, or um, there are a, there's a, a fourth type of dice that I didn't mention. Um, it's kind of like a bonus wild dice, and the dungeoneering skill allows you to get more of these bonus dice. Um, and th- what happens is that you upgrade your character. You're creating kind of like a a campaign legacy character who's changing the more you play the game. That's very cool. Yeah, and it's done on a p- on a pad and a pen. You know, yeah. on a so piece of paper. Kind of you're, more you're, reason you're, to you're, replay it, basically. Yes, yeah. Um, I have played the game. It is really difficult as well. Um, very, very challenging. Uh, I completed uh, success. Uh, so I've played it three times. And I eventually completed a dungeon, and I did it by playing uh, dual-handed. So I, I played with two characters. Uh, so I've been playing it with uh, one character, and I've been getting very close. Um, both times I actually lost on the last dice roll. It was the last dice roll that, that screwed me over. Um, I played it with two characters, and I did a hell of a lot better. I don't know if it was maybe psychological or just blind luck. But um, the, the scaling is the other thing that I wanted to mention about it as well. So um, it, it, the scaling works well. So when you start the game as any one of the characters, if you're playing single player, it, say, for example, gives you eight dice. If you're playing two players, it gives you four dice each. Okay. So, that, you know, the, uh, the only difference is that the, the mix of dice would be different. Um, so, you know, you'd get um, a bigger mix of dice if you've got a rogue and a mage rather than just having a mage on their own. Hmm. Having a mage on their own, the only thing it does is it gives you double the mage dice. So you, you could be missing strength dice completely. Um, so there's pros and cons to doing both. Really good game. The only thing that I would say about it was I thought it was a, it was a little bit pricey. Um, it is rather a small game, but you're looking at near enough. Uh, I think I paid twenty five pounds for it. So yeah, it's quite it's a bit. Seems like quite a lot. Yeah, um, but it's it's good. I'm I, I'm I am enjoying it. I do think I got my I've got my money's worth from it, so I don't regret it. But I would give you that little bit of a caveat. You know, that for what it is, I think it. I think they're asking for a little bit of. A little bit too much money. If, I think it was if it was twenty pounds, so the the same price as maybe a smash up expansion or you know 
a munchkin game or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we have seen this price increase. Uh, board games have been getting more and more expensive, and yeah. this one is, is is proof of that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, um, check that out. So, cool. Kim, you and Nathan were playing board games at the weekend, and you guys played one I am quite interested in because I'm not too sure if I would like it, and that is uh, Bloodborne, the card game. Yeah, Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne's one that Nathan picked up, um, and it's it's weird because I hadn't really looked too much into it. I knew they were making a Bloodborne card game, and that was kind of the extent of my knowledge of it. Um, right. So, Nathan, did you buy this? Was it purely just because of your love of the the video game, or did you do a little? You know, was it something you'd seen in the the design of the game itself? Um, well, when it when it first got announced, I think it was on. I don't know if it was on Board Game Geek or a similar or a similar website, but it, it yeah said that I was getting designed by um, oh, what's his name, Eric Eric Lang. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just like well, yeah, it's, it, a lot of it was fueled by Hey Man. I love Bloodborne and. Um, I didn't really pick up that Dark Souls board game because I thought that was just a bit too <laughs> extortionate. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm definitely picking picking this up. Um, All right, cool. The the funny thing about it is it was supposed to come out in October and yes, it got delayed to the point I forgot about it and it literally just dropped. Well, the going to drop it through the letterbox. It's massive, but the, um, <laughs> <laughs> the postman uh, brought it like a. Day after my birthday, so I was like, it was, it was a real good gift. Um, so took it to Kieran's to to give it a to get a kind of like trial run, see if it's good. And it, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, yeah, I quite liked it. Uh, my girlfriend wasn't super into it, so we kind of didn't actually finish the game we played. But yeah, right, okay. But I thought it was pretty good. There's a kind of it's a co-op game or a semi-co-op game. Where you're fighting waves of enemies to reach a boss, and each enemy has health. That's you know when they come out, you put the amount of tokens on them that is their health, and every time you do damage to an enemy, you take those blood echoes, those health tokens, off of there and onto your player card, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. At any point, you can every turn you are playing a card from your hand to do something. So you'll either have weapon cards, or you'll have like healing stuff, or you'll have at all times you have a card that is go to the hunter's dream. And in the hunter's dream, you don't attack, so you don't get any of the benefits for attacking that turn. For example, you unlock trophies, which give you more points at the end of the game if you have the most trophies. Um, you get those by defeating an enemy or by doing damage on the turn that an enemy is defeated. So yeah. if you go to the Hunter's Dream that turn, you don't get any of that. Um, but you do cash in your blood echoes, which means they're stored in your kind of bank account basically, and you they count towards points at the end. And you get to get an upgrade card, and otherwise you would go back to the Hunter's Dream when you died. The difference yeah. being you don't bank your blood echoes, you lose them. So it's this kind of risk-reward thing of do I want to retreat back so that I can bank the points I've got 
or do I want to try and stay out longer to get more points from doing damage and also trophies from being around if someone kills this thing? And it, um, the other thing to know is just like the just like the game um, using using kind of like pistols or rifles, um, it kind of, so the the way it works is that the enemy attacks. And then each player attacks, and um, you change the turn order each time, I believe. But if you use a, a pistol or a rifle, and you're the only person to to use that particular weapon on your turn, you actually attack before the monster does. So it's like kind of imitating the the system from the game where you're parrying. So mm-hmm. that adds like a another kind of of layer of oh. Well, Kieran, Kieran might pull out the Kirk Hammer, which does four damage, and it's his turn first. But if I use this rifle, I can kind of get in and steal some of these echoes. Mm-hmm. You know, where so it's like it seems like it. It seems it seems like it, it was, it's going to be, be very entertaining. Um, have to play a few few full games of it to give you a full verdict. Right. On it. Yeah. One one thing I will say is that the. The um, rule book kind of lives up to the lore of um, Dark Souls and Bloodborne by being really, really kind of obfuscated and very vague. <laughs> it's like they'll say stuff like, um, "Oh yeah, you can you can return to the Hunter's Dream and play this card," but it hadn't explained what the card was at that point. So you're like, "I, I don't know what this yeah. is talking about," or what the Hunter's Dream was. It's just like, "Yeah, you can do it for the Hunter's Dream." It's like, "What does that mean?" Like, do I still then shoot the dudes? No? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they they really recreated the first few hours of um, any Souls-like game where you're like, what yeah. the fuck is going on in the rule book? <laughs> yeah. They really got the ball rolling with that one. But Yeah. I It's one of the things now that uh, whenever I'm doing, you know, whenever we're playing board games and things, if I've got games that I want to play and make sure that I go through the rules because I find that trying to do it on the fly is one of the worst things that you can ever try and do. It's, yeah. it, it's just normally going to end yeah. in tears or somebody's going to throw something at you or... Um, yeah. yeah. The worst thing is yeah. that thing. But, but, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, I've seen stuff about it and it, it just seems like it's a little bit too you know, a bit thrashy for me, but you were saying you didn't find that at all. No, because it's that thing where the only time there's any kind of degree of randomness to the game is when the enemy is attacking, because you roll a dice for it to do damage, and then there's three different dice of different colours, and each card, each enemy card will have a colour on it to tell you use this dice, like this is the one that's going to do a ton of damage, this is the regular one or this is an easy guy and the dice have numbers on them but they also have plus signs on them and if you roll Mm -hmm. it on a side that has a plus sign on it, it chains so you have to roll it again and then if it rolls a plus again it rolls again so it might occasionally do a shitload of damage, just wipe everyone but most of the time it'll be like oh it did two damage and then it did another one damage but that's kind of the only degree of randomness in the whole game. The rest of it is like there's no it's not deck building or anything like that as you're getting upgrades. Because upgrades are just more cards with more weapons stuff on them. You always have them in your hand. You just have a full hand of cards at all times and you choose which one you want to use. So it's this kind of 
the strategy basically because as you play cards you don't get them back until you're back to the hunter's dream so again it is this risk reward right. of how long can I stay out here and get as many points as possible without dying and losing those points or mm. without going to the hunter's dream and missing out on points um, so it's just way more of a like push your luck kind of uh, yeah. a simple little card game more than anything else and it, it kind of does do that whole thing of the it kind of recreates that whole sense of of the actual game in that you know you could you could be brave and try and press on and get a few more souls and totally lose everything and end up yeah. back in the hunter stream um, even if you're at full health which I think is like 8 or something and it re, it recharges every round so like every every round you go back up to 8 um, well if you go into the hunter stream you go to, to full health and come back out but uh, you know, like a really bad roll from the enemy could just take you out. You know, could take you out in in one go. So it's it's like it is really it is really a, like Kieran said about whether you want to push your luck or not, or whether you want to um, use a turn and go back to the hunter's dream, and which is where you do your upgrades as well. So you get like stronger weapons or like uh, stuff like vials to to heal yourself mm-hmm. so it is like but as Kieran says like while you're while you're in the hunter's dream doing this he might take the kill and get all the points for that for that particular round so it's like I, th- I think yeah there's there's a slight degree of randomness in it but it from what I played it it didn't feel like you know you play some games and so you just feel like that, that was, this is bullshit you know like <laughs> yeah 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 it, it feels like it feels like one of those games where if you get an unlucky roll, you'd be like fuck. But you you feel like it's because you it's because you decided to kind of press your luck and you paid dearly right. for it. Yeah. I also think the the other element of it that we haven't really mentioned that I was kind of didn't I didn't really understand as we were reading the rulebook and then as we actually started playing, kind of just made sense was when you choose the card you're going to play at a turn, everyone does it at the same time and puts it face down. And then everyone shows at the same time. But you're allowed to discuss during this, so you can be telling people, like, I'm going to use my hammer and do four damage. So this mm-hmm. thing's going to die when it comes to me. Or, you know, it only has six health, so if someone does two damage, then I can do four damage and kill it. Or, you know, you could try and make some kind of you know, agreement. Or you can be like, I'm going to use my gun and do damage right up front. You guys do whatever you want. But the other thing you can do is you can play a transform card because the thing in Bloodborne was that uh, they had trick weapons that could transform between two different things. And that idea mm-hmm. is basically just after everyone's flipped their cards, you can then play a different card. So you can just be like, okay, well you said you were going to use your guns but neither of you use your guns so I'm going to use a gun now so that I can just get points up front right and so it ends up with even more of this kind of like kind of playing the other people as much as you can to try and get extra points right Uh, okay but at the same time you're still all working together because nobody really gets anything if the boss murders everyone and no one you know if the boss is murdering everyone over and over you know, you still have to work together to some degree to get some points. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I really like it. I was surprised by how good it was. Um, right. So, yeah, we need to play. Well, I mean, Eric Lang is a fantastic designer. He's done some really, really good stuff over the years. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, even when it comes into the license stuff, um, Eric Lang came up with the um, the Dice Masters uh, game, uh, although he came up with Quarriers first, but uh, he also um, made the XCOM board game. So, you know, it is, it, it, he's a safe pair of hands when it comes to things like yeah. that as well. So I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think it would have been a bad game. I just... Yeah, it's still not really sounding like something I would, I'll pro- I'd probably play it, but mm-hmm. I'm I don't think it'd be something I'd run out and buy. Yeah, I can see that. I think you would probably enjoy it if you played it, but yeah, I don't think it's one that you'd be like, I need to own this now. Right, yeah. yeah. And I would also say like they've done a good job with the licensing part of it as well. Like it all of the cards, all the weapon cards, stuff like that look like, you know, the inventory uh, kind of pictures for those items and stuff like that in the game. Um, right. All of the bosses and all of the beasts and stuff like that have really good artwork. Um, all of it just, you know, is thematically very well done. Um, yeah. The little tokens for the Blood Echoes are really nice. They're little uh, plasticky... Um, they've got, like, a kind of marbled red effect, so they just look like kind of, well, you know, blobs of blood. blood. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really nice looking. Um, All right, cool. Yeah, Maybe yeah, that's yeah. I don't, I, I kind of so it sounds weird me saying this since I bought it, but I didn't expect it to be <laughs> as high quality as it was. I kind of um, bought it expecting it to be like you know, like you get a lot of licensed games. Like, oh, this is this is quite fun, but this is also just tat. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, like, yeah. Um, I was pleas- I was pleasantly surprised by like as Kieran saying the artwork and and like the just just the the detail and stuff and and even even the rule set like um, the fact that different bosses have radically different effects that kind of play into what kind of boss they were in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. there's, there's been a a lot of thought put into it. Like you know you get a lot of kind of licensed stuff and you just like. Yeah, this just kind of has the name on it, but this is just essentially a different game. But uh. yeah, definitely, it felt like they built a game around the Bloodborne license. It wasn't just we made a game and then also we skinned it with Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool, uh, Mike. You played some Quest of Valeria, or at least you have it on this list here. So I assume you played it. Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, it's another Kickstarter. Yeah, so, I've um, this one, but I've not played it yet. Yeah, this was one we both backed, um, and it is a really cool. Uh, I think the reason, one of the reasons we both backed it was the gorgeous art. Uh, I bought it because it was cheap. Just <laughs> a liar. <laughs> I bought it because you sent um, me a link to it going, Kieran. There's this Kickstarter that's like twenty pounds and looks quite good, and I was like, Yeah, right, fine, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Quest of Valeria is a card game for uh, one to five players, um, but it's a a tableau game. So, this is a game where you tableau games normally have you know some sort of table, and you can either be taking from a table to build your own table, or just 
essentially building your own table. But um, in this game, what you're doing is you are trying to um, you're trying to buy quests um, that are set up at the top of the table, and the quests give you victory points. And um, from how you do that is you need to hire adventurers into your guild. Um, and once you've got the adventurers into your guild, you then take them from your guild and you send them off on the quest. So you discard them from your guild and you take the quest, the victory points, and you put it aside. Um, so th the game has a, a couple of things. It starts off with a deck of cards of all these um, heroes. And uh, what you do is you place them out in a row, um, and you place them out in a row of six. Um, and right above each of them is a, a number. So there may be a number, there's a number of zero, there's two number ones, there's two number twos, and there's a number three. Now, if there's a card underneath the number three, it means it costs three cards to hire that person into your guild. So you start the game with, a, with three cards in your hand. And um, you can hire somebody um, from your hand. Uh, sorry, hi, hire somebody from the table at any one of those costs um, to bring them into your guild. You can also hire somebody from your hand. And to do that, you'd pay two cards from your hand to hire you know, somebody else from your hand and put him on the table. Mm -hmm. um, I know I'm not making it sound as uh, simple, <laughs> but... Honestly, when you see it working, it is. It's very, very simple, very, very easy to teach. Um, and, yeah, you're going... Um, think of it the best way to... Um, the, the thing that jumped in my mind was um, Splendor. You yeah, know, so this you whole... describing it kind of reminded me of Splendor in that way, where you're, you know, using different gems to buy more gems and to get yeah. permanent gems and stuff like that. Yeah, but so people. what you're doing in this... Yeah, you, yeah. this time you're, you're playing the cards from your hand. Um, you're using that as currency to buy other cards and move them from one, one place on the table to your area on the table. Um, and then you... If you want to buy one of the, the nobles, if you will, the quests then you pay from your your specific area. Um, the other thing that you can do, is t which I thought was taken directly from Splendor, was you can reserve a quest. So if you see a quest that somebody else has got their eye on, you can reserve it, take it, put it in your area, no one else can complete it bar you. Um, the other thing that you can do as well is, because some of the... Uh, one of the things that happens is everyone gets a secret identity at the beginning of the game and that secret identity will give you bonus points for doing certain things. It may be for completing um, a different kind of quest. So there are four or five different, uh, four different quests. You know, there's a, a battle quest, there's an adventure, there's a commerce quest, and there's um, subterfuge. So, you know, that your secret identity will may give you bonus points for completing adventures and battles. Um, so you can see what the bat, uh, the quests is for. There's always in a more than two player game. There's six quests on the table, mm -hmm. so you can reserve a quest, take one into your hand, um, or what you can do when you reserve a quest is scrap all the quests that are out there, scrap them, draw new ones out, and then take one into your hand. 
so there's quite a lot of um, interactivity between the characters uh, sorry between the players um, the other thing that happens as well is when you are um, these heroes um, so each hero there's four different types of hero there's like uh, I'm just looking here there is a worker a soldier uh, a shadow it's kind of like a rogue like character and holy so that's the, f the four different attributes that a hero can get flung into um, and to complete a quest it might say you need two holy characters and um, they need to be in possession of six gold between them. And as long as you've got enough cards that uh, that cover at least the two holy and the six gold, it can be six, seven cards, you know. But as long as you can pay that cost, that cost at least, then you get the quest. Um, the other thing the cards do, when you hire a card, so when you bring it onto your side of the table, some of them have better benefits some of them will let you draw an extra card as a free action or they may let you hire a character as a free action so on your turn you normally get two actions and that's it but you can chain actions you can end up doing six or seven actions just by you know playing smartly and yeah. um, so for my bonus action I'm going to draw this card and the second bonus action lets me hire, so I will hire. And you can chain all these actions. It works really well. Um, downtime, uh, so I, I did a single player and a, a two player. There's not much downtime. It plays up to five players, so I don't imagine there'll be too much. Uh, one of the cool things that it comes with is it comes with these two little markers. And the two little markers just say one and two and it's just to remind you that you've got two actions and so you do your first action so you put the first one out on the table and because there's all this chaining going on you can sometimes forget that you've got to take a second action uh, but you've got this little chip in your hand that says number two so you realize oh I've still got my second action to do um, it's a re it's a neat little game um, I think Kieran I think you're gonna like it a uh, very simple to teach and gorgeous art the Kickstarter, one of the things that did happen with the Kickstarter, um, and I didn't realise it until I got uh, uh, an update from... Yeah, I got an email, yeah. Um, and it was... <laughs> thank you, think of the word. <laughs> yes. Um, what had happened was that the, one of the stretch goals was to upgrade the quality of the cards and give them that linen finish. Yeah, which doesn't have... The game... Yeah, it doesn't have because they'd they'd switched the manufacturers and it was one of the things that kind of fell by the wayside was to not have the linen finish. Yeah. So the the prototype they got was finished by somebody else. Then they switched uh, manufacturers. It went to somebody else. That instruction got lost in between, and yeah, it kind of fell by the wayside. Um, so the cards are not the best quality cards you're going to get, but they'll last right. a little while. Yeah, they'll, right. they'll last they a little while. Like, yeah, they'll feel flimsy. They, right. they, they're not flimsy, no. They're, they're still uh, a good card stock. They're just not. Uh, they don't have that linen finish. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the game is. I don't feel cheated out my money. No. Uh, really good game. Had I had fun with it, and the solo version works really well. Some nice, interesting um, things that it does as well. Yeah. I might so, try that. Yeah. 
I didn't realise it was actually a solo game. Or yeah, you um, get so you can play it as um, the, the first time that I played it. What I did was um, I said I played a two-player, but I played both players myself. And it's one of those games. So a lot of games when you play a two-player game, you know, you can end up fixing the game. You know, because you're trying to play um, co-op uh, competitively and play your best for each character. But sometimes you'll end up favouring one over the other. This one, there's that much going on, and you're thinking about what you can do. I was genuinely playing the best that I could on each hand, um, and it just came down to I made the better decisions on uh, on the one hand that won. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, really, good, really good game. It is cool. I'm definitely gonna try it because I have yeah. a copy over there. I'll add it to the pile cool. of Kickstarter games that is increasing, especially increasing after that Steal This Game Kickstarter where I got like four games and so yes, I haven't played any of them and they all need played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so you played uh, a game that I played as well, but you played some more Fable Fruit. Yes, I played Fable Fruit. Um, I basically played the first game, like the first round again, because I was playing with new people. Um, Nathan being one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but I I want to play that further than the first round at some point. Right. So but did did you only play one round again? Yeah, we only played one round. Um, ah right, okay. But we have it kind of saved in a way that we can, you know, play. You it can go back to it, yeah. 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 So, um, we played it and um, we played two rounds, and um, played the first one and it was fine. And then, uh, you know, and it said, no, let's play it again. So we played it again. And my idea was that I was going to try and keep at least one card. You know, of each of the rules to try and keep it going. Yeah. And Anne was like, no, nah, fuck that. She was, if it was an easy win for her, the easy one way for her to get the cards, so she was going for it. So I had, the way we had it was there was like two or three card, you know, one rule left of these cards. And it just so happened these were the ones that Anne had in her hand. And she went, nah, fuck it. And she bought them all. So fucked up my idea to keep the game going that way, and also beat the crap out of me in the process. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool though because I didn't think of I didn't think of it that way. I genuinely thought that everyone would think the same as me to keep at least one of each rule going. And you know she didn't think that way. It was like ah oh, bugger it, you know that what we end up with whatever type of game we end up with. Um, and it is it's it's a bit more exciting as well so yeah she really likes that game so we'll be playing a bit more of that as well I'm very interested to see what it what it looks like and you know how it, how it goes as well um, it seems to go over pretty well for us in the weekend people that yeah I think before. yeah I think the cool thing about it now is because you're playing with different people and you know we, we are as well I think it'd be easy enough for if you came over here to play some games that you could play our version of the game and you wouldn't mind I don't think it would spoil much for you or anything yeah I think you're probably fine you know 
Because it's more about yeah, the and, order they you know, come that, out and how they come out and stuff it, like that. Exactly, yeah. So it means that, you know, yeah, so you can end up playing these two different ty- these two different versions of the game. You can come and play our game and then you can go home and play your own version. Um, yeah, cool. That's cool. Uh, so, excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, God. Uh, you played Arkham Horror? Uh, yeah. I assume yes, the expansions. Arkham. No, um, I just, uh, what, what I wanted to speak about was, uh, yes, I replayed, um, the, the, I think what was spoken, I said I'd played through the, the first two parts of the, you know, the, the main game, so I haven't played the finale yet. I played it uh, through a second time, and I played it through uh, the first chapter with Ben uh, from, you know, from the website, uh, who's our assistant editor. Oh, yeah. assistant, he's the editor in chief. Yeah, Fuck's sake, Mike. Runs it's getting late. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, runs he does. the website. Yeah. yeah, Ben runs the website. Uh, we do fuck all. <laughs> well, I do fuck all anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Ben does the, the website and went over and played it with him. And it was it was a good experience playing with uh, two players and the two characters. Except the character that I was using was a fucking cream puff. They were absolutely useless. Um, it was a character called Daisy and she's more like a support character she'd be fantastic in a 3 or 4 player game where you know you, you've got your tank and you've got your mage and they'd just be dealing damage and doing you know being very all round and at the, behind them you've got this this character who would be giving support um, she's uh, she can heal things but she's more in the line of getting the clues so the clues are one of the main things in the game. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to play as her, but it it wouldn't be my my choice to play that that character or that class of character again. Um, but I played the second part of the story again with another character that I created, um, kind of a mage type character, and I really really like it. It's um, I think we spoke about it before, where you're going into the town of Arkham and you're moving around all the different places because you're looking for things um, and it just it's a really it's a very smart design um, the the way that the game deals with uh, how you it lets you play this scenario several times is there are a couple of locations in the town where there is more than one copy of the card there's different copies of the card um, or uh, of the locations so if, say for example one of the locations is downtown there's two copies of downtown and what you do is you shuffle them up and you put one of them into the game and the other one doesn't get used mm-hmm. so on your next play you could either do the same thing shuffle them up and pick one or you could pick what the one that you haven't used before and they have um, different uh, once you turn them over to find out what's happening in that location there's some um, the cards are different um, how exactly they're different, I don't know. Um, because I, on, well, on that one card, I got the same card I had before, which was fine. But on then one of the other cards, it, it changed the number of clues that I needed to do. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, just a really, really smart design. Uh, the, the encounter deck that you get within these that's full of monsters and beasts and things that come up 
it is big enough that you will probably only get halfway through it, so it stands up to repeated play. So, uh, really enjoying that. You should play that. Um, Kieran, you need to get it. Yeah, it's, it's just a thing where um, I will play it just with my girlfriends and that'll be it. But we're still working our way through Pandemic Legacy. So if we, once we <laughs> finally get through Pandemic Legacy, we'll be like, okay, what is the the two-player game we're going to play now? And it'll probably be that. Yeah. I think that we'll probably pick that up. By then, the expansions might even have fallen a little bit in price and we'll just kind of pick yeah. all of it once and be like, here we go. Yeah, I, I was looking at that the the living card games generally don't tend to drop in price. Yeah, but sometimes they've got sale, like in uh, when... Uh, when websites do like their whole site sales for like around Christmas, yeah, like that. yeah, like all of the um, the Netrunner stuff was on sale in a couple of places. Um, oh right, okay. Year, so I can see that happening because that has to yeah. be like most websites just be like everything on our shop is on sale by you know X percent off. So yeah, or, or sometimes they just yeah. need to clear some stock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but definitely you should should check it out. Definitely. Um, and everyone else as well. Uh, you played um, you played quite a few um, social deduct well social games, um, but you played uh, more Billionaire Banshee. Does that still hold up? Oh man, Billionaire Banshee's so good. Um, yeah, this is one of those things I put on here because I kind of wanted to see what Nathan's opinion of it was because also we played the air, but I wanted to see what you thought of it, Nathan. Billionaire Banshee. It was, it was good. <laughs> it was dead. Great. Well, next game. Uh, <laughs> um, if that was the dating one, right? Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm getting, I'm getting old, so... All, you know, all these games we play all kind of blurs together, but yeah, the, um, Billionaire Banshee. I think it was pretty much my favourite of the probably of the ones that we played on on the weekend um, yeah, like really simple really simple concept uh, mm-hmm. you know I think um, I think that like especially when you've got a group of a group of people coming around and it's like you got to explain the rules it's, it's nice to kind of have a game you can just like kind of jump in and be like yeah you know, up and running within like you know five minutes. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that. Like, definitely, definitely has nice visuals as well. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think like I, I definitely think that was the most fun. Really simple, really easy to play. Yeah, I really like it. It really falls into that kind of cartoonish humanity kind of uh, like not genre, but that kind of mind space of this is the super light game that you can pull out that everyone will have fun with yeah exactly I, I feel because I don't play as many board games as you guys um, so although I like some of the more complex ones you play some of the ones where we can just jump in and you know immediately get going rather than you know 10 or 15 minutes of having to, to listen and then just being like oh, I'll pick it up as we play <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Oh. I like that one. It's very fun. And also, like, I realised I actually sat and read. There's not much rules in it, but there's a little bit of kind of instructions. 
I didn't realize that. So the back of the cards um, all have, you know, just like the name of the game on it, and then, you know, whether it's a, a perk card or a quirk card. Um, but then they also have like a little kind of image on them of something, and that's actually just to tell what the the theme of the card is. So that if you're playing it with people that you don't want to have all of the weird sexy cards in it. You take out all the weird sexy ones that are like a teddy bear and a gimp suit, and that'll tell you don't, don't, don't do this one. This is I'm playing Billionaire Banshee with my parents, so I don't really want those cards in there. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. What are you saying? No, I was going to say that, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I do need to have a go at as well. Yeah, definitely. I'll go bring it next time over, which will be... Cool. Soon. Hopefully soon. Yes. Because I have not played board games in the longest time. I have a pile of things I'm going to bring over, which will be fun. Good. Um, yeah. Um, you play more Max these Minions... Yes, yes. I don't want to say too much about Max vs. Minions because, uh, you know, it's got the campaign as well, but spoilery. But what I did want to say is um, I think we've all seen the inside of the box and we've spoken about the box that there's this um, sealed box and it's got a big sticker. It says, do not open on it. And it looks like there's an axe and it's kind of ripping through the box. Uh-huh. Uh, we played the third mission where you have to open the box and you find out what this thing is. <laughs> and it's awesome. It is really, really cool. Um, it's a real life mech. No, no, no unfortunately not. You play the rest of the game in <laughs> the mech. I was waiting yeah, for the um, seven. I was waiting for the seven one that never came. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was there wasn't. Uh, you know, my my wife's severed head was not in the box. <laughs> good for her. I managed to stay with you at the time. She was, yeah, yeah. So she was she was quite pleased that her severed head wasn't uh, inside the box, and it, it gets used in the game, and it yeah, just a lot of fun. Um, and the the next mission after that we it doesn't get used again i i assume it makes an appearance again but it's really cool and the the next mission that we're going to play is essentially it's the board game version i don't know if you ever played it when you're in school uh, a red rover where you formed a line and some and there was a whole load of you and you had a line and then there was people that run and charged and they were trying to break through to get to the other side yeah, um, yeah, it's the board game version of Red Rover. <laughs> You're going to have all the all these minions, and they need to get past you and get to the other side of the field. Or and once if they get there, if they manage to get past you and get all the way to the other end, the game's over. Um, and what makes it fun is that the minions throughout the game can be killed with one hit. They're one hit kills, um, but there's there's loads of them. They're always spawning. Um, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to move from your end of the field right down to their end and get there before they get past you and up to your end of the field. So it's a bit of a race. So 
it just really sim- silly concepts in some of them as well and you've got really cool superpowers um, still a fantastic game we're still enjoying it as well so um, yes I just wanted to say we now, we now know what's in the box and it's awesome <laughs> cool uh, you played the last thing that you played was um, Deception Murder in Hong Kong yeah which is another one that was talked about a lot in here before um, yes uh, again that was the first time that most of that group had played that game which I didn't really realise I thought we'd played it before <laughs> right so, okay. everyone, so I brought it out and I was like let's play it again and everyone's like we don't we need a game what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. Nathan was that the first time you played that one yeah I'd, I thought I'd played it before um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we started playing and you're like oh no wait this isn't whatever yeah. I, think, I think I mixed up with a similar one where you're actually a ghost trying to tell people how That's, you got murdered uh, oh Mysterium yeah I think yeah that sounds that sounds familiar it's similar um, or partly the the role of the forensic investigator is kind of similar to the Mysterium thing um, except that you're using those giant clue cards, which are still impossible to shuffle. Oh yeah, because yeah. they're just giant slabs of cardboard. <laughs> well, I think um, after billionaire banshee, this is probably yeah, it's probably my other my other top pick from from the day. I think Fable Fruit was great as well. But I mean, it, I I tend to prefer these games where you cast suspicion because I. I, I tend to, to be a bit of a troll, so I, I like to cast suspicion on myself, even if I'm innocent, just because, <laughs> just just to just to throw the the scent of the game off. I, I, I know I'm a terrible person, but I I, I get a, a kick out of it, so I really enjoy this game. So <laughs> generally, it ends with everyone going, "Oh, Nathan's definitely the murderer." But Kieran's like trying to restore order, be like, "Look, Nathan, Nathan has been casting suspicion on himself every round. He's been doing this, but it's like, but but and." I, most of the time, I, I end up not being the murderer. Like, um, <laughs> so it's just, I'm, I'm just a bit of a dick. I'm sorry, Kieran. Just ruining your board game days. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty I fun. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I love running interference. I think, like, especially with how vague some of the clues can be in this game. Oh God, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the murder took place on a Sunday. It's like that doesn't. What? Why would that help? Yeah, and, it, and and then when it comes your turn to change it, and you go, oh, thank fuck, he's changing that Sunday, and it, it goes, it took place on a temperate day. Well, that's <laughs> fucking the victim, even better. The victim and the uh, the victim and the criminal, you know, were strangers. And it's like that doesn't. Why would? <laughs> <laughs> Why would this change anything? That doesn't yeah. help me know whether they were strangled to death by a whip or by this vine that this person was holding. Yeah. Or but we we found um, I think there's somewhere in the rules as well that tells you that what you should try and do as the the forensic scientist when you you know when you're faced with cards like that, try and think logically, try and build a story. In your, in your head, and sometimes it comes out because yeah. you, you know, you subconsciously pick clues that go with it. So we, d- um, 
we found that and we started doing it and it, and it worked until it got to uh, one person in our group who um, he's been on the podcast before uh, his friend is your Tam and Tam comes up with this he's got this story you can see he's got the story in his head and he's really into it and you know he's concentrating what he's doing and he's ended up with this dark story about a a man that murdered a child and he ripped their pants and it was in a playground and he beat their head in with a rock and you're like fucking hell how were we meant to get that from it happened on the playground and it was sunny (laughs) <laughs> and he's got this really dark thing in his head yeah. and it was like it was very sunny <laughs> that's really good uh, oh, um, but yeah uh, Tam is actually brilliant to play them with ours is mostly fine except for when one person was the forensic scientist and put down that the the piece of evidence left behind was written when actually it was <laughs> a flute and we were like, what? But I was the murderer of that tournament, so it was really easy to be like, well, Leanne has a diary in front of her. It's the only written thing on the entire yeah. thing, so clearly Leanne's the murderer. <laughs> like, guys, this makes so much sense. And it's like, oh no, it's the flu. It's like, why would it be the flu? <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. See, I, oh. I anticipated that because you, cause you, warned, you warned us that some of the clues would be quite random. Uh-huh. I anticipated that you would go with like logic-based stories for that, uh, which is why when I was actually the murderer, I picked the most bullshit, yeah. bullshit cars I could think of. I was like, what was that? They, they died of starvation and I left behind a lottery ticket. Yeah, something <laughs> like that, yeah. And... Uh, it helped because they were. It was vague enough that there was a bunch of other things like in front of other people that it could have been. Like yeah, the starvation could have been caused by several, or you know, um, because there's no thing for starvation on the the cause of death. So I think the one I picked was illness. Yeah, because it was the closest thing I could think of to starvation was like an illness. Um. <laughs> illness and, and I said at a supermarket I think I said it happened at dinner time to the of food I guess I don't know <laughs> some kind of connection I guess um, so like there's enough places and enough, enough other people's things that it could kind of get confused by which is kind of the way to play that if your murderer is do that I also it's the most uh, aggressively I've ever played like I've ever had people play that game where just almost every time every round we played that game just almost instantly people were like I know what it is it's these two and the queue's like right away and then lose their badge for the rest of the game and you're like well, hey, come on guys talk about it a bit <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not giving names but a certain someone did that on every round without without fail yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was pretty good and then like you're like why did you do that it was like to eliminate these options so now we know it's like oh okay <laughs> thanks for taking one for the team yeah <laughs> oh, it was fun excellent no, I'm, I'm glad you like it it's, it's an awesome game yeah I, I tend to like all the ones that we we play like that and any anyone where I can use deception 
So a game, you know, Rain a game Rain. called Deception is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, this is this is like made for me. Uh, yeah, definitely. Cool, excellent. I think that is as for um, for everything that we've been playing. So yep. we are running extremely, extremely late. Have we got anything in the news or anything that we oh, really man, want to cover? Quite a lot of news. You know, other stuff happened. Did you know Donald Trump's president? No, let's just move on. There's no news. <laughs> just get past the news. There's yeah, so much the news. news. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, looking at the um, new releases, and I have not prepared at all, so we'd be looking for weekending the 24th. So let's see what we got. Uh, Halo Wars 2 is coming out on February 21st for PC and Xbox One. Yeah, uh, I really wish my PC could run that. I really do. That's a buy. That's a play anywhere game as well. So if you pick up on one, you get them both. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, a for the PS4, Berserk and the Band of the Hawk. Oh yeah. Anime. Uh, so yeah. Uh, from Merge Games, we got sub. Sub-level zero redo? Past? No idea. No, that's um, um, that's uh, a spiritual, successful, uh, spiritual successor to Descent. Oh, oh yeah. It looks uh, quite good, actually. It's like a roguelike version of Descent, I think. Um, oh, it's been okay. on PC for a bit. It, it's supposed to be quite good. Right. Um, there is the PS4 port for Warhammer 40k Death Watch. Um, for front box. Is that the I'm, FPS one? I'm not 100% sure. Maybe. I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of Warhammer games come out like. There's so day. many Warhammers. No, it's top down from the looks of it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it for uh, the weekending the 24th. Yeah. More so Warhammers. There's lots More Warhammers. More Hammers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, good stuff coming out after that. Um, some weird new console and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Some su- some weird new console by a company that really doesn't matter that much. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, if you want to send us some mail telling Paul exactly where he should get off, you can send them to podcast at glitchfreegate.com. Uh, glitchfreegaming.com or you can send Paul directly a message at paul at glitchfreegaming.com email inbox I intend to never check (laughs) (laughs) you can also send him loads and loads of abuse uh, on our Twitter page actually no don't send abuse to Twitter page because if you go to the Twitter page you can get my personal Twitter page then abuse me there uh, yeah, because Ben uses the, the Twitter page for sites stuff. So you can send us a tweet uh, at uh, Breach Free Game, and you can search for us on Facebook just by looking for uh, Glitch Free Gaming. And of course, go to the website as well. We I think we've all written stuff for the website. Um, uh, probably been a while, but yeah, yeah you can. Yeah, um, so, but there is stuff, um, there was a couple of things that went up this week as well. Um, go and check out what's happening on the website, which is always cool. Um, any last minute things anyone wants to add? 
The the one sad piece of news that I feel I feel like a PSA's needed self park fractured but whole. It's been delayed. Is that sad news? It is. <laughs> I've been waiting for that game since I don't know. I've been waiting for that game. <laughs> well you you've been waiting for that game since What's Her Face did that really awkward interview and that presentation with um Parker and Stone. That's a lot of people's a lot of people's dignity died to bring that game to the public, okay? <laughs> I, I owe it to them to play it. Many many Boston, many Boston spies died to bring you this game. <laughs> and one last sad piece of news, I didn't realise the pun in the name of that game for about three weeks. It suddenly <laughs> dawned on me. I was talking, I was like, oh yeah, the fractured butthole. I was like, oh, I get it now. I, I get it. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> on that bombshell, uh, we're going to thank Nathan for coming on and uh, talking nonsense with us and keeping us all entertained. Oh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. You don't have to ask me twice to talk nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So until next week, uh, we will see you all again and uh, buy more wasabi peas. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Ciao, Sue. <laughs>